Hi, this is Larry Hama, and you're listening to Star Joe's Podcast. Podcast episode thirty. This is Bob. My name is Ryan. And I'm Chuck. And uh, welcome back, guys. Uh, episode thirty. Yeah. And this is Bob. This is Bob. So uh, you guys will learn what the hell that even means probably a little later, but or maybe not. Or maybe not. Or or if you read Transformers, you might already know. You may know. So uh, so what's been going on? This is this is a big episode number thirty. Yeah. Woo woo. <laughs> Break out well, the bubbly. Num- numbered 30. Yeah, numbered so, 30. We only got 20 more episodes. We got to come up with something special for 50. I thought we were relaunching when DC relaunched. Okay, we could do that. That's what we're going to do. Volume 2. Volume 2. <laughs> the Chuck Chronicles. Star- the new Star Joes. <laughs> the Star Joe Chronicles. Right. Crispier as, and tastier. As seen on ABC. Yeah. So, uh, Not with extra MSG. Right. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Uh, well, a lot. Okay. Like what? Well, reading comics, reading Flashpoint, loving that. Okay. Um, did a little hike today in the woods. Nice. Uh, volunteer. So our company you, sponsors. You can uh, volunteer to hike? I volunteer to hike. Our company, uh, where we work at, sponsors a trail in the metro parks in the Cleveland area. So what we do is we just go in there and we uh, hike about three miles, remove any obstructions from the trail. So I kind of get paid to do that. So that was pretty cool, giving back to the community. It's always good to get paid to go out in the sunshine and take yeah, a little stroll. Take a little stroll down uh, yeah. the woods and... Talk uh, comic books and baseball with your friends, so that's yeah. nice. I really haven't had a whole lot going on. Yeah, not not much. Went and saw um, went and saw Transformers three. Okay, I have yet to see that one. Yeah, I, I still don't know why you haven't seen it. I just, it's time. You had I'm, okay. I'm calling you out now. <laughs> you had three days off from work, not planned days off, where you actually had something to do. That's true. They weren't like vacation days. Yeah, in this summertime, what happens to me, guys, is I get what's called summer fever, <laughs> and I don't want to go to work. Right. And I don't want to go to work. Right. So, so I just take some sick time. So you took some sick days off. Mental health days, we'll call them. Yeah, I've done them too. Um, you, you need it every once in a while. And that that's one thing I can stress. To recharge the battery. Yeah, that's time. something I can stress to people. If you have the luxury of sick days, like multiple sick days, that you can where you can take one or two off as just yeah. like... A, a you day where you just need to kick yeah. back and relax, especially during the summertime. Yeah, or get drunk in the hot tub. Whatever. 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 Um, I highly recommend doing it just because it's nice to wake up one day and just say, screw it, I'm not going in. Right. And, and the, the I guess the good and bad part about our job is 
you you get those days. Yeah. But the bad part is they don't accumulate, so you have to kind of take them during the year or you lose them. Right. If they accumulated, maybe I would try to save some and just take extra vacation. But right. Um, now, so you had three days off. I, I did have three days off, but I was doing stuff around the house. I mean, we we did paint our our living room, okay. and dining room area. So you've seen it. Yeah, it looks nice. It looks nice. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so we painted the the walls area. It's a, it's a brown color. It's called Sand Beach. Okay. Uh, the trim is done in Irish cream, so it's a lighter brown, darker brown, lighter brown. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. The fact that you know, know the those name, colors. know the names of those colors. I know the names of those colors because I was looking at color swatches for a long time. <laughs> well, and that's the one. That's the one out I was going to give you was if you just knew those colors in general. Oh, like, no. like if you said I'm going to the store and I'm going to go get some sand beach color, yeah, then that'd be one thing. But the fact I know what you're talking about because when I went to go redo this room, right. I learned what the colors' names were to make sure I was getting the right color yeah. and all that type of stuff. Yeah, so. for me it was. Uh, Medium brown and light brown. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. For me, this room was like teal and black, and yeah. teal was a stretch. <laughs> yeah. It was teal, like, it's a gray, greenish black. blue. <laughs> um, well, okay. Well, you, I, mean, I, I mean, we did that. You, you, need, you need to go see Transformers 3. Yeah. Because we'll, we'll have a voicemail a little later, but I liked it a lot. And you know how I felt about the first two. Mm-hmm. I thought the first one was just okay. I thought the second one, there's three scenes in it I liked. I liked the first one, and I I, I thought the second one was okay. I, I liked it. It wasn't yeah. as good as the first one. I, didn't I like, mean, it's... I didn't like the second one at all, other than a few scenes. I, I, I liked but, the potty humor, but that's me. Well, and that's the thing I liked about this one, was there was a lot less of that. There mm-hmm. was still some of it, and the things that were flawed in my eyes with the third movie were the things that were flawed in the first and second movie for me, which is the the stupid humor that I didn't really need because you're dealing with giant robots and mm-hmm. battles. I don't need stupid humor thrown in there, too. Okay. It's like a movie trying to do too much. Trying to do too much, yeah. Um, so that was in the first two movies, so I knew it was going to be some of it in this one, but there wasn't as much. The design of the robots, I'm not as... Think of a fan yeah, of the, the Bayformers. I mean, I, I prefer the G1 designs right. and looks, but obviously we're going to get more but updated looks. The thing cool. I will say in the third movie, it's a lot clearer. Like in the first movie, especially, it was so tough to tell when two robots fought each other mm-hmm. who was who. In this one, it's a lot clearer as far as when they are even up against each other, fighting each other. Like, okay, that's this robot and that's this one. Um, there's some major deaths in this one. Nice. There's the last half hour to 40 minutes of the movie is one gigantic battle in Chicago. Nice. It's nice. awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, 4th of July, the last time we spoke was probably before 4th of July we recorded. Right. I mean, we spoke after that, but I went to my father-in-law's uh, boathouse. It's up by Toledo area. Yeah. Um, so we, we had the 4th of July up there, which was great. Four days off, you know, dining on someone else's dime. Sure. And, Drinking their beer. And Absolutely. It's That's always good. Being a mooch for a couple of days off your father-in-law is always awesome. Well, you're a mooch in general. So. Just for putting up with his daughter. I mean, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> he owed it to me. I had it coming. So it was great. That's uh, your philosophy in life in general. They have, that, I wish. Is my that, God. Is that you deserve so much and that you have everything good that comes to you, you've deserved. You know, I deserve so much and get so little. I take that back. You're so full of shit. I know, I know. No, it was a great time. I mean, we took the yeah. we took the kids up there, me and the wife, and we had a good time. We saw yeah. some of her cousins, and uh, my brother-in-laws were there, and, and everybody, you know, yeah. you sit around, you barbecue, you, you drink beer, you play cornhole, you go to the lake and swim, you do some boating. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Well... It's a lot of fun. Before the next time we record... You're going to rent a boat? No, you have to see Transformers 3. Yeah, I probably will. Because it'll be out was, of theaters before the, well, or after I was, after I was that. thinking about maybe seeing it this possible weekend. I know I'm working Saturday, so maybe I'll see it Saturday night. Yeah. 
because I need to talk to you about it. Okay. <laughs> there's twists in the story that I liked. Yeah. There's some major deaths in the story that I don't want to reveal. Yeah. Um, um, but other, you know, just other throw it out there, other comic books I was reading, I'm... Uh, I read the the brightest day. I'm catching up on that. I got that in uh, volume one in hardback. Volume two should well, be at the house today. Why don't we go into an ammo dump then? So you can yeah, we could do that. Talk about we it a little dump bit. Dump a little. Okay. I've ate a fiber bar today. We could dump. <laughs> All right. Well, the reason I wanted to say <laughs> don't go in there and light a match. <laughs> The reason I wanted Jesus. To, the reason I wanted to say let's go into an ammo dump is because I also have a book you, I wanted. You, you got a poo? No, because I had a, a book I wanted to mention also. But okay. uh, but yeah, you were talking about you've been reading Brightest. Yeah, I, Day. I've been reading Brightest Day. I, I ordered the first trade on that. The second one should be in our order today. Um, uh, actually, maybe. it'll be in our next shipment. Oh, okay. So That's fine. yeah, uh, I, I still have um, Birds of Prey. Yep. The first uh, in in run. I'm still reading that one. I'm I finished up with I bought Batman R.I.P. Okay. Finished that. It was okay. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great, well, but well, it was okay. You, well, you and I talked about it, and yeah. I read it issue by issue, month separating it. And the right. thing I heard about a lot of Morrison stuff is if you read it in a big chunk, it's a lot clearer. Yeah. I had a month in between each issue. I mean, if you want to read it, I'll, I'll bring it to yeah. you. I got the issues. If you want I'm just not in in the mood in to, in try the mood to, to, to try to decipher it, code not, it. I'm not in the mood to try to reread that hieroglyphics. I thought it was a turd the first time, so. No, I mean, some of it was okay. A lot of it, the, a lot of the stuff that was really good was with the Joker. Yeah. And Batman, that that was really good. The arts are really good. In there it. was just like, there was times where I didn't know that he was hallucinating. Yeah, the whole Batmite well, thing, you gotta like smoke a crack pipe to get. Well, and there and there's other moments too where you find out he yeah. was hallucinating the whole time. The whole time and, I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, and when you get a whole issue of that, yeah, of and then at the end, end they yeah. reveal it, yeah. and you're like, well, wait. What part I gotta go back and reread? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. And I ain't got the time to go back and, yeah. I mean, I reread the stuff for our show because yeah. I feel like I need to know it pretty well. Yeah. But most of my other issues I read once, once unless I really it. enjoy it, then right. maybe I'll glance through it again. Mm-hmm. But almost everything else I only read once. So. Yeah. And, um, oh, Flashpoint. Really digging that. Yeah. Flashpoint's been awesome. Yeah. Um, now, the one I wanted to bring in, it's a Marvel book called Avengers The Children's Crusade. And I mentioned it on the forums, and I just... it. It's very rare that I re- finish reading a book and go, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. But this is one of them. Hence, an animal don't. Oh, okay. So, um, this uh, book, this book, it's, <laughs> exactly. Holy shit. <laughs> it's, uh, you gotta work on your tuning there. Sorry. Uh, it's written by Alan Heinberg. Uh, penciler is Jim Chung. And the colorist I wanted to mention was it's Justin. Wang Is Chung? just Justin, no, not Wang Chung. Bieber? No, no, not Justin Bieber. No, it'll never be Justin Bieber. He could probably color the crayon, but I could handle Wang Chung tonight. So, everybody, uh, Wang Chung tonight, right? So the uh, colorist is John, Justin Ponzer, and the reason I men- mentioned this colorist is you'll n- notice the coloring in it is phenomenal. Uh, he really brings out a lot of the brightness of the c- characters and everything. Really, I was thinking these first two pages you showed me were kind of dark. 
Well, they're meant to be dark. Okay. So, like, you see more of, like, a shadow look because they're in a dark room here. Uh-huh. Um, but then you see... Yeah, where's, where's the color bright side? There's some bright color there. Here's the X-Men. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. So, they're in the daylight. I mean, most of this issue is taking Why place... Why is Emma Frost wearing this much clothes? <laughs> most, of the, most of the issue takes place uh, in, like, hidden rooms and stuff Fucking like that. Gambit looks like a zombie. Look at that. He looks badass. He's got no pupils. Right. Well, he usually doesn't. I'm digging that. But, uh, so here's the reason I brought the issue up was, this issue, these issues are, it's a nine-parter, and it comes out every other month, which kind of sucks. <laughs> look, at, look at it, just stop here. Rogue, Storm, and Emma Frost, they all have their titties up. Yeah. It's a, it's a buy. <laughs> it's a solid buy just for that. So, so here's, here's the thing. Yeah, go pick this up. So, in House of M, which took place like five, six years ago. Right. The Scarlet Witch used her powers to say no more mutants, okay? And that caused almost all the mutant population to lose their powers. Well, in this issue, they have, in this storyline, they have, uh, it's the Young Avengers, which are characters I really love. They're really cool characters. And they go to find the Scarlet Witch, because two of them believe that they are actually her twin sons. Okay. Who she thought died. Nice. And there's a whole thing with that. But anyways... They go, they find her. She doesn't remember who she is. Well, in these in this storyline, she ends up remembering who she is, and she remembers what she did. So she decides Spoiler. that she's going to try to bring the mutant powers back, okay. but only to those that want it. So they go to X-Factor, which was the team you kind of showed me there for a second, right. with uh, Madrox and everything, because they were doing work for those mutants that didn't ha- had lost their powers and trying to find out the reasons why and all that type of stuff, because no one remembers House of M. Okay. Because it was alternate reality. All right. So they go and they, you know, Scarlet Witch explains what happened and that she's willing to give powers back. Well, one of the members named Richter lost his powers. So they're like, well, you think we're going to help you with what you caused and everything else? And Richter steps up and says, actually, I'd like to see if I'll be a test subject. I'll see if it can work. So she tests it on him and it works. It brings his mutant power back. Next thing we see is the X-Men, which is that big shot you saw. Right. And they're like, the X-Men here, what are we going to do? And she goes, I'm going to give them what they want, more mutants. And it ends there. Oh, okay. So for five years, we've had the mutants have lost all their powers. And here we have this mini-series that probably a lot of people might not be picking up because, again, it comes out every other month. Maybe people oh, lost interest. Yeah. And it might, Sometimes might. Books like that do yeah. lose interest. Yeah. Right. And it might, might okay. have a major impact on the whole Marvel Universe. Batman Dark Knight. Right. <laughs> Thanks. So fucking dick. I mean, my God, can you get a book out? <laughs> well, he he has one coming out. Comes in our next shipment. I know, but number shit. three. Number three. <laughs> I, I, what has it been like? Nine months. I mean, seriously. It's good art. <laughs> has it been nine? No, months? no, eight, no. six. No, he started what? I think he started in January of this year. Really, January? I, I thought so. it was like December. Maybe. I mean... But, I mean, still shit. Oh, I agree with you. I'm not saying that. I understand. It's like every every quarter I get a book. I understand this. Come on, dude. <laughs> and he's one of my favorite artists, too. And the fucking so. thing about it is they're relaunching the goddamn title. With the same guy. With the same shit. But, but, he's going to have someone else helping him with the art. He should. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't want to wait three more months. But, obviously, he's a good writer. Because we, it looked good. He's supposed to be the writer yeah, it on really it, good. and we've liked the issues we've gotten, and I've liked him on a couple other things I saw that he it's wrote. Been, like I said, it's been so, so long. I talked to you about this. i got to go back and read those other two. Oh, sure. I read number three. Sure. I have no idea. But at least they're good. Sure. So you'll enjoy reading them again. I hope. Yeah. It's pretty pictures to look at again. Word. 
dude's a hell of an artist. Dude. Sure, I'm not saying he's not. <laughs> so, Finch can draw his ass off. Sure. I'm not saying he can't, but sure. motherfucker can't get a book out right. on time. Save Here, his ass. Here's what. Here's something I was thinking maybe we can do because you know I'm getting all 52 titles. Oh yeah, uh, um, make a make a note about that. Uh, DCBS, if you guys don't know, yes, or if you guys haven't heard, there's a uh, package deal where you can order all 52 of the brand new DC number ones for, for half off. Yeah, for half off. So it's 50 percent off instead of the normal 42 percent. Right. If you if buy you just single issues. if you buy just single issues, it's still a good deal because you're getting 42 percent off. Right. But if you buy all 52 as a package, as deal, a package deal, you get 50. It's 50 percent off. Now I'm only buying 14 of the 52 titles I'm, on the number yeah. ones, and I'm going to comb it down. To try to maybe seven to ten, I want to try to comb it down yeah. just for budget reasons. Yeah, um, but well, I want to check out some of them. Yeah, I'm getting all fifty two. You're getting the package for the package. Okay, and I'm going to try them all, and I'm planning combing that down to twenty five to thirty titles. So maybe half. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not planning on continuing all of them, and then there'll be some beyond the twenty five to thirty titles. <laughs> That I'll still probably get in trade form. That's what I was going to do with the fourteen I'm getting. Maybe come it down to yeah. half or ten, and there might still be like four trade. or five that I decide to get right. in trade in the right. future. Um, so, and the thing I'm realizing is there might be some that I thought I was going to like getting continuously. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm trying all fifty-two. It's because there might be some I think I'm going to like to get continuously that I might end up not liking. Right. And then there might be other ones I thought I wasn't going to like. That you might like. That yeah. I might end up liking. Like All-Star Western, I'm not a big Western comic person, mm-hmm. but if it's done really well, I might find out I like it. Yeah, who knows? You know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, so what I was thinking we could do with the ammo dumps going forward, uh, at least during that month of September, maybe going into October, yeah, we is can maybe we can, DC, both, sure. we can both read them, yeah. the issues, and just bring to the ammo dumps the ones we liked. Because you'll be able to borrow the ones from me that you didn't get. Okay, so... And try them out. So, July, August? August will be the ammo DC dump? Well, September. September, okay. September is when we start getting Which still says May on your calendar, so... Well, I don't change that calendar very often. <laughs> I know, I like the pictures of the clones, too, but, I mean... <laughs> We're two months uh, next. We're, we're into July now, so... Why like, don't we change that? Why don't we change that for you? All right. What do we got a shot of here? It's uh, Kashyyyk. God bless you. Yes. Oh, okay. The, 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 the Wookiee Wookie Wookie yeah. yeah. All right. It's pretty. Hmm. Um, but, yeah. And Dorish. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger trees, though. Word. Bigger bigger teddy bears. Right. <laughs> um, bigger sidekicks. But the... No. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, uh, we have a voicemail. So, anyways, um, but I thought we could just bring to the ammo dumps the ones that, out of the ones that we read, the ones we like. We're not going to go over every 50, all 52 titles. Oh, yeah, that'd be crazy. But, yeah. you know, bring one or two of the ones you we'll, really we'll enjoyed. We'll let DC Noise handle that. Yeah. <laughs> bring in, like, one we'll or just two. pop out a few gems. Yeah, yeah just the few gems we'll that we're like. polish a few turds. Yeah, especially the ones where you're <laughs> like, wow, I didn't think I'd like this, and this was yeah. actually really good. Yeah, okay, cool. So... So I think that would be fun. Sounds um, like a plan. All right. Well, let's get into uh, some listener feedback with yeah, let's, the let's, uh, uh, flush this bitch with the Jedi Holocron. <laughs> Jedi Holocron. All right. So uh, spray, spray that shit. So <laughs> we've been talking about for the last few episodes about how we had some listener feedback on iTunes, and I kept forgetting to print it out. Okay. So I figured we'll go over that real quick. These are just some recent ones. We're up to 18 reviews. All right, thanks, guys. So a couple more, we get up to 20. Yeah, nice. That'd be awesome. We're validated. Right. So validate our parking. So we have uh, one review from Mick Wookie. Ah, Jesus. And Let me guess what side this guy's on. <laughs> he said, no, this was before the whole debate. Oh, okay, go ahead. So he says, I started listening because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. 
He put in parentheses, my wife lets me have a Star Wars room in the house. Nice, right? Fucking God bless her. <laughs> Hell yeah. Chuck and Ryan do a great job discussing Star Wars and all of my favorite 80s franchises. Just started listening from episode one, and, my, and I'm up to episode Ooh. 16, which 16 Yeah. Good one. Episode one, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry. And they and they get better with every show. Oh, thank God. That's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. Uh, keep bringing the past back to life, and I'll keep listening. Thanks. Yeah, checks in the mail, McWookie. <laughs> checks in the mail. Then we had uh, Buffalo Straight Edge, which I assume might be Straight Edge He-Man on the forums. It might be the same guy. Maybe. We don't know. But if not, if not hi to both of you. Right. Uh, he says, Star Joe's is a sweet podcast and is very enjoyable. The two, Fuck yeah, it is. The two hosts do an awesome job and both come off great. Hell yeah, they do. For fans of Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Master of the Universe, and more. So, nice. uh, then we had... And your check's uh, in the mail too, sir. We had K-Jar. And these were all five stars, by the way. Ooh, nice. So, uh, there was K-Jar or K-Jar. Uh, he said, one of the best podcasts out there for all things 80s in terms of comics, cartoons, toys, and that kind of culture. Nice. And then last but not least, we had Chris the Professor from ah, OCD. OCD, yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, I actually had these guys on one of my podcasts and decided to check out their show. It's awesome. I'm not a, the biggest Star Wars or G.I. Joe fan, but it's great hearing these two guys talk about how they... How they are. Can you get it out? Yeah, no. You want to retry that line? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> In fact, their passion for action figures has gotten me hooked on collecting them as well. Be prepared to start emptying your bank accounts after hearing the Joes talk about the collectibles and comic books. And we're sorry about that. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I'm noticing that even more with some of our fans. Like, we're getting some fans hooked on DCBS, which... Oh, Yeah. I'm still in the process of con- of talking with them to see if we can get them as a sponsor. I've sent them a follow-up email, okay. so I'm kind of hoping to hear something soon from them. Because we do want them as a sponsor because... Yeah, but, I mean, they're not really paying us. They're just a great service. And Well, yeah, and that's why. We but, just want to spread the word, but spread here, the love. Well, and here's the thing, though. If we can get them as a sponsor, even better, because then we can su- have somebody sponsoring us that we actually believe in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so that's why. Yeah, I mean, just so you guys know, anything that we've mentioned on the show, at least up to this this episode 30, has never been out of a sponsorship. It's never been because someone's paying us to promote their stuff, <laughs> including DCBS, as much as we mentioned them. Yeah, no, we're, we're not getting paid a dime. But I know we've had, uh, I think Rock said he finally put in his first order. At Wolfman uh, Z, yeah. And, and uh, Nick did, and so did um, uh, Matt. Yeah. He put in his first order, so... They're, they're just like, you know, I can't beat the savings, and then you guys are talking about how their customer service is great. They so, are. I, yeah. And they are. They're ridiculously good. Like, any time I've had a problem, it's usually not been because of them. It's been because of the publisher. Right. And then, even when I reach out to them and say, hey, this comic was damaged. Or, or this wasn't included. This wasn't yeah. included. Boom, it's in the next shipment. Exactly. Or replacements in my next shipment. And I don't even have to send them back. Oh, what was the issue that uh, it was our mail carrier? My yeah. Ma- uh, our FedEx, no, UPS yeah. guy. UPS. They come UPS to, to our area here in Ohio. The UPS guy, I guess it was a substitute driver, and we didn't get it on Thursday because there was a holiday, so we expected it on Friday. Well, Friday didn't come. And then Monday, we thought, Saturday okay, figure, didn't come. We thought, well, maybe Monday. Yeah, maybe Monday. Monday didn't come. Right. And I'm like... Dude, so then call them and so see because I, I think yeah. I don't know where this thing is. Right. So then Tuesday, I emailed them and said, "Look, we haven't received it yet." I looked up the tracking because they do give you a tracking number, which is awesome. And the tracker said that it was delivered. Right. And they, they had told us to check with our neighbor, my neighbors, to see if they uh, got it. And you know, I wasn't home or they right. delivered it. But there's usually someone home because my wife does work from home. 
And I, I told you again, I'm like, no, they don't have it. I checked both neighbors, and across the street, they don't have it. And then just as you came back from doing that... The, the you, freaking UPS guy drops it off. Right. Yeah. So here's the cool thing, though, of DCBS's side of it. They were ready to put, like, a whole track tracer thing on this package because they were like that, you know, they felt bad for us because we didn't get our shipment. So they were like, you know, well, check with the neighbors, then let us know, and if the neighbors don't have it, then we'll put a tracer on it, but we we always have to make sure that you check with your neighbors neighbors, first before we put this tracer on. So I emailed them back and said, hey, believe it or not, the package just showed up. So everything's good. Thank you very much for, you know, for your quick response and everything else. Right. And yeah. they said, hey, well, you know, no problem. Glad you ended up getting your stuff. And they said, we're going to contact our people at UPS to let them know of the of the issue. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, they were ready to go to a bat for us. So that was right. cool. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so they're a great service. But, yeah. so I, mean, I couldn't recommend them enough to anybody. Yeah. I mean. But we're getting so many fans. The other thing I was going to say is we're getting so many fans and listeners that are saying, I didn't buy Transformers before and now I'm buying Transformers. Yeah. I didn't buy Star Wars before and now I'm buying Star Wars. Yeah. And it's like I think they're we're starting to hopefully help people realize that there's some good stuff in these franchises. Yeah, these franchise books and and especially they're pretty much they're all done by IDW. Guys, except IDW for Star Wars. except for Star Wars, it's Dark Horse. Dark Horse, right. But IDW puts out some good books. Yeah. They have some creative people over there working yeah. there. The Maybe Star they're Wars. not as tenured as yeah. other people yeah. at Marvel or DC, but there's some good product being put over yeah. at IDW. The Star Wars stuff has been a little hit or miss lately. Um, well, Vader's Lost Command was very, very, very good. good. But then there's been some other stuff that's come out before and after it that hasn't been that great. But it's still quality books, and they're still coming out on time, and you, you know you're going to get good stuff later on. It's just it's a little hit or miss, but it, I think it's a little hit or miss with some of, if some of the right, IDW right. stuff, too. Yeah. It's just... Do I like this story or do I not like this story? And some, that happens for both. So. Right, exactly. So, um, all right, so we had some some feedback on some episodes also. And one other thing before you mention yeah. the feedback, uh, we did mention that Vader's Lost Command is a good story. It's actually out in trade, guys, if you guys want to pick it up. Yeah, it's a it, hardcover It's a hardcover trade right now. It is a little lower on prices. I think it's over 20 bucks. Yeah, it's like 25 Yeah, but it's very good. It's five issues. I think it's like 25 bucks. Yeah. like I said. It, like I said, it's because cover. it's a hardcover. Maybe you want to it's, wait for the paperback. It's worth the money, it's though. It's a very good story, yeah. especially if you like Star Wars, Darth Vader, well, and episodes 4, 5, yeah. and 6. And we're going to cover the last issue of it today. Exactly. So, um, so full spoilers. And <laughs> speaking of pricey, in previews right now, you can order the entire Mask Season 1 DVD set. Yes, you can. It's $100. Jesus Christ. <laughs> On DCBS, it's $93 because on videos, they don't get they, much of, yeah, they don't get much of a, a discount. Break, right. But It's um, available. But it is available. Um, now, I did look on Amazon, and on August 9th is when it's supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. On August 9th, there's also supposed to be a Mask Volume 1, which is only $15 or $16. I don't know how many episodes are in it. And I don't yeah, know it might if be like the first ten or something. Right, and I don't know if they're going to keep doing more volumes until you get all of them. So that might be an alternative rather than trying to get it all one, one time, one lump sum. Yeah, but I don't know if they're going to do a volume two. I assume because they put volume one, they're going to do a volume two. You can never assume. Yeah. But they put the name on their volume ones. I don't right. know. Yeah, I don't know. So, so I mean, if you really like the franchise mask and you really enjoyed that, and by the 
yeah. you know, reception that we got from the last episode, the mask episode, a lot of you did. Yeah. Maybe that's something you do want to invest in. Yeah, I mean, that's something I really would love to have. They haven't but, really done those yeah. DVDs. Yeah. I would, I would love to have it, but I can't drop $100 on that. Not on So, yeah. I mean, maybe as a Christmas idea for like from my wife or something like yeah, that from but, that rich uncle right <laughs> so um so I'm gonna go from our crazed fans so I'm gonna go into some of the reviews <laughs> we got from our website okay. itself because we did have some people post on the website now we did get a negative feedback we read them and it's cool. we read them and I'm gonna read not only the negative feedback but my response to it and then there was a little give and take back and forth so I just want to kind of go over this real quick so. This was from uh, a Jason, and I'm gonna. Uh, the reason I say a Jason is because there's other Jasons later that leave us feedback. Yes, the gentleman named himself Jason. That yeah. is his name, or he used that yeah. as his name. I don't know, but that that's what it is. But the same is true for the other Jasons on here too. Could I don't, be true. I don't no, know. We don't really know. <laughs> I don't. There's three Jasons we end up getting feedback from this okay. time. So Jason's popular this time. Sure. <laughs> so it's this good, Jason, movie this Jason it. said, uh, "Yeah, excellent, absolutely." Uh, he said, "It's hard to get past the homophobic slurs these guys." so casually use on their podcast. And then that was it. Yeah. So my response was, Jason, first, I do want to sincerely apologize for any comments we have made on our show that you found offensive. We're not out here to offend people in a direct way. I mean, we offend people, but we do it in a joking manner. But, yeah, I mean... But we're not out there to... We don't purposely do it Overtly of, yeah. offend people, right. Yeah, so, and, and that's what I mean. Well, we're sorry. Yeah. We, we apologize. And it says, uh, I said, we're not here to offend people. This is our. This is not our intent. I want to be clear that my apology is sincere because I also want to be defending myself and the show next. I noticed how you left me out of that. Thank you. Yes. I don't... Well, it was coming from me, so... Well, that's, that's cool. Um, and I don't want to want that... Uh, what I have to say as a message that I am not sorry for offending you. So, that being said, I also find it interesting the slurs you found offensive were only in regards to what you deemed homophobic when we have made comments through our shows that could offend many people in regards to race, gender, etc. I mean, your comments about what you do to women would... Yeah, that's offending everybody. <laughs> Jason, just just before you start, yeah. start again, I've offended women. Yeah, I've offended the homosexual community. Yeah, I've offended the straight community. I've offended Caucasians, Blacks, Hispanics, Chinese, I Canadians, um, <laughs> Puerto Ricans, <Me>? you, <laughs> Ukrainian people, yourself, Polish people. My, yeah, myself. <laughs> um, Hillbillies, right? I think I've offended everybody. I'm an equal opportunity you're, offender. You're pretty close, yeah. But it's all in good fun. Yeah. If you're, you can't laugh at yourself, I you're, mean, you're not doing it maliciously. No. And, and a lot of times when we're playing with stereotypes, we're not playing with like gays are bad. No, no, no. And and one of the things for me too is, which I get into it here, is I'm not homophobic. I have no problem with gays at all. No, that's yeah, whatever. Whatever you do is your business. I don't care if you're a nice person to me. You're a nice person. I don't give a yeah, crap. Yeah, I don't. So. I, I don't care either. But anyways, uh, I thought it was important for us to address. But, yeah, I mean, um, if we purposely just because you know, we're not purposely offending people, and, and if, if you've come off that way, if, if we come off that way, let us know because we're right. sorry. Yeah. Um, so I said, if someone wanted to be sensitive uh, to what we say, you know, there's all these other things. If uh, we have things throughout our episodes that various people could find offensive. Mm-hmm. The whole reason they don't is because many people listening to us realize the things we say are, are in jest, and many people are able to laugh at something even if it applies to them. Yeah. I mean, if you want to call me a white bread cracker or whatever, unfortunately there's nothing offensive enough for a middle class white guy like myself. Or like yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Blue-eyed devil. I don't know. Blue-eyed devil. <laughs> 
Baby uh, killer. I don't know. What I mean, yeah, like, what, well, I'm not a baby killer, but okay. yeah, <laughs> if you want to go that route, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, if you want to call me a, a neo-Nazi, I guess that could be offensive. Cause head, I'm, yeah, because yeah, I'm not. But, but you have hair. But, I mean, just because yeah, I'm, I, yeah. just because I'm white, yeah, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Product of Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're Hitler's dream. Right. Blonde hair, blue eyed. Right. But, yeah, I don't go yes. that way. In fact, all those people should be uh, rounded up and shot, so... The Nazis or the, the gays? What are you talking about? Nazis and the neo-Nazis. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. No, not the, the people, gays. You said the people who go that way should be rounded up and shot. No, no, the, go, the people that go that way with the their the beliefs, beliefs of, of, of killing other people. Of, pure, that's just of the pure white pure race yeah. and all that no, type that's of just stuff. Wrong. Yeah, that's, and if you are a skinhead, um, yeah, hey. No, if you're a skinhead, fuck you, I don't want you listening to our podcast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen to Chuck. No, I mean, there's... there's. <laughs> I, I don't really want to offend anybody. No, but, you know. well, there's those militant groups like that that I don't care if I offend them. Hmm. Fuck them. Wow. So, those are the crazy bastards who'll kill you. That's fine. Don't offend them. Just saying. I don't subscribe to their beliefs. Well, no, so. neither. I'm not Jewish, but I don't want to offend the Jews. Sure. You know. But the Jews aren't a militant group. <laughs> No, they're great people. <laughs> right, that's I'm, I'm talking about the militant groups, like okay, neo-Nazis yeah. and crap They like have that. guns. I know. Okay, go ahead. Keep reading. So, <laughs> um, you decided to pick one thing uh, you found offensive and decided that you couldn't handle that, but does that mean our other comments that some other people might find offensive are okay with you? Pretty gay, Jason. Chuck, pretty gay. <laughs> Chuck and I poke fun at each other all the time, and we encourage listeners to do the same to us. True. We pick Which we get on the forums a lot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we pick on... Thank and make, you, you bastards. <laughs> yeah. We pick on and make comments about everything. True. We are not politically a uh, politically correct podcast. No. In fact, the thought of being one where we try not to offend anyone makes me sick. Yeah. Some people might find our language offensive. Fuck them. Some people might find our views on topics offensive. Fuck them. There is an expression that when you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one, including yourself. True story. We just try to talk about the things we enjoy, and we don't hold anything back when we do. Yeah. I have friends and family members who are gay, and I don't view them in any way different than I view any other friends and family. I hate all my family. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you do. (laughs) This means they're uh, as open to being picked on as anyone else for who they are and what they are. I'm also open to that. If you're a douche, you're you're a douche whether you're straight or gay. I mean, or... Yeah. Whatever. I'm also open to them uh, for anything they want to pick on me for. Right. I feel that I view people the way, hopefully, we all should or could, which is I treat everyone equal, and only their personality will determine if they should be if I should treat them differently. I don't care if you're black, white, brown, gay, straight, etc. Everyone is the same. We play around and joke around using many stereotypes on the show, including our own. If someone, if some comments we have said offended you. Then, as I said, I'm sorry, but also maybe we're not the show you will enjoy listening to. Yeah, we're um, not out there to slur anyone. No. As I mentioned before, I find it interesting that other comments we have made don't offend you when they could offend others. But hey, we did say something to offend, and that is not our intent. We're just enjoying talking, commenting on stuff. Sometimes things are said. None of it's ever meant any malice. I don't know if you'll ever see this because I don't know if you'll ever return here to see if there was a response. But again, maybe this isn't the type of show you would enjoy anyways. I wish you the best of luck in life. Take care, Ryan. Well, Jason did come back. Okay. 
And he said, hi, Ryan, thanks for your thoughtful response. Great episode, yes. probably, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll move past this, but there's yeah. a reason why I'm bringing up what he said, because I think, yeah, it's, sure, some, I think it's something we do have to address. Is uh, He said, hi, Ryan, thanks for your thoughtful response. I do appreciate it. I enjoy about 90% of your podcast, so there's about 10% he doesn't. Sure. Uh, I, there's about 10% I don't enjoy. So. Yeah, the editing. <laughs> Go ahead. No. That's 100% I don't oh, enjoy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I said, he said, I, too, have gay family members and friends, but I'm pretty sure they despise the word faggot, which you did use. I did. Yeah. So, we're going to get into that in a second. All right, go ahead. So, it irks me to hear the word uh, so casually used, even if it's only in fun. I do not think your podcast should be censored. I do believe you should be able to say whatever you want, and I hope you don't want only like-minded people listening in and posting on your page. Oh, no. He says, I like Star Wars, G.I. Joe, and many of the things you guys talk about, and the reviews on the uh, show, and I don't believe any of your commentary is meant to be intentionally cruel to any particular group. I'm going to continue to listen to the show and stomach the 10% I don't like. After all, (laughs) there are not many shows that cover so many properties uh, and topics. Jason. Well, just tell me what the 10% is. uh, Well, here's here's the thing. I'll leave. Here's the thing I responded to it. I said, I agree that I don't like that word either. Okay. To, uh, To me... That's the same as using the N-word to describe a black person or a C-word to describe a woman. I don't use those words either. Okay. So I says, not to roll Chuck under the bus, but I think he's the one that used it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Well, I point the finger, but it was Chuck. Well, that's a fact. (laughs) It's true, and I I did Um, say it. Well, and and the thing, and I said, you know, in the future, if if something like that was to happen, I would either beep it over or I'll take it completely out. Right. Uh, That word. In particular, sure. And and to to be fair to you, you and I talked about this before the show. Right, right. You lived a pretty sheltered life, and you were not aware that that word actually is pretty offensive to no. to the gay community. No. So when I told you, well, it's kind of kind of on the same level as the N word or the C word, you were like, oh, okay. So yeah, no. so we will avoid ever using that word on the show. Yeah. Now we're not going to avoid using the word gay, like saying something's gay. But when we say something's gay, we're not meaning. Against the homosexual community, we mean like that person's dressed like a stereotypical what people think of when they think of a gay person or, right. you know, that type of stuff. Like there's someone's doing something that seems homoerotic, we're going to say that looks gay. <laughs> yeah. So, and but the, the yeah, thing I mean, is, if, if, you know, me, me, me saying, you know, yeah, I, I just won't say anymore. But uh, the we say it like six times. <laughs> no, don't say it six times. But the thing was, uh, even the word gay and using it as a joke and everything else, I hear it on primetime television all the time. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. So, you know, that is not something I'm going to remove from my vocabulary, but again, it's never said in with yeah, any maliciousness, whatever. Yeah. So, um, um, Thanks me, for still listening. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll yeah. try to do better. And, and if, if we, we do, s- do, we do. If we yeah. don't, we don't. And if you do hear something that you really found super offensive, shoot me an email. Yeah. Use the email address. Yeah, Ryan will slap me. Right. Because it's probably... I have, I'd be happy to slap you, so... All right, so I wanted to give that its fair due because I, th- I think we owed it to Jason and anyone else that's listening that maybe has found stuff we said offensive. Sure. So And I agree. Now I agree. we've said it. Now, in the future, if anyone has a problem, we'll refer them back to episode 30. Yeah. We don't have to go on a long tirade about it. Either. Right, there you go. So, all right. But we need a disclosure like ETM. No, we don't. We, we, we swear a lot. Sure. And you slurs. We put explicit on our podcast, so... That's a good enough? That's enough. Okay. That's, legally, that's all we need to do. That's all we need to do? That's all we need to do. Because I was thinking we can have somebody, you know, record it for us, like, uh, <laughs> you know, big time. No. Like, uh, somebody. 
Well, if someone wants to pay us to record, we'll do that. No, 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 no. Like, we'll get, like, um, somebody, you know, kind of almost pseudo-famous to do it. Oh, to record the disclaimer? Yeah. Thing? Well, if we can get that, sure. Okay. You know a few famous people or something like that? We're going to get uh-huh. Peter Cullen or something like that? Well, maybe. <laughs> Uncle Peter? You you work on that. I'll so. get Uncle Peter. Today. Okay. So, we're going to get Optimus Prime doing a disclaimer at the beginning. <laughs> All right, so I want, I want Chewy to do it after a couple of beers. Yeah, there you go. So, well, that's another thing. We have not had anyone loaded call us up yet. Yeah, Chewy, get off the ball. What the fuck? So, I mean, I want someone plastered to call us up. Yeah. So, all right. So, anyways, uh, we had another Jason respond to our mask episode. Okay. And he said, "Thanks for covering mask. I enjoyed the podcast. Great in depth work. I'm one of the many that wants mask to come back as a live action movie. Okay. Uh, we've written a script and are trying to gain interest." Follow our progress on our Facebook site or our movie blog. And he gave the movie blog address. It's just uh, Mobile Armored Strike Command Movie, command with a K. Okay. All one word, dot blogspot.com. Okay. So no www or anything like that. He said, thanks again, guys. Jason G. So. Hey, glad you liked the episode. We had a fun time doing it. Then we had another Jason. <laughs> Holy crap. He says, hey, Ryan and Chuck, I hear that you're looking for teams for your fantasy football league this year. If there's any room, I would like to join. I just signed up for the forums and could not yet reply to any posts. The spots are filling up, so I decided to email you instead. Keep up the good work on the podcast. The mask episode was great. A few years ago, I acquired, quote unquote, most, if not <laughs> stole, quote unquote, <laughs> most, if not all the TV episodes. If awesome. You guys, if you guys want a copy, let me know. Did it fall off the back of a truck? Yes. I'll take it. Yes. yes. Jason, that would be great. Thank you, Jason. Jason, and he's going to be known as I'm No Fool on the forums. Nice. Uh, what you want to do, sir, is go under the Fantasy Football thread and email Rock. He is the commissioner yeah. on that. We participate with the Football League. He does all the heavy work on that yeah. and runs everything. So Which we're grateful up and up. for. Yeah. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that, Rock. And what we will do... Uh, what? Yeah, it's totally his idea. He wanted to do it last year. He thought it would yeah. be a lot of fun. Uh, we, we both like football. Yeah. And we thought it'd be fun to do with the listeners here. So we had about eight teams last year. I ended up winning, which was great. Yeah. We're not your typical geeks. We like sports, too. Yeah, for so. the most part, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, we had a great time doing it. There's a lot of people doing it this year. Yeah. I think we're up to 11. Yeah. So you would make 12 if you're in. Yeah, I think he and said... And we can he, make 14. Maybe. I think he yeah. said he wanted to get about 14 to 16 teams, something like that. Yeah, as long as so, it's an even number, we'll keep yeah. it in. But, yeah, definitely go on the forums, the Fantasy Football thread. Well, and probably by the time he hears this episode, I'll have already emailed him back at least Rock's email address. Yeah. Saying, here's the guy you want yeah, to Yeah, we'll provide you with that so. information and contact him. Again, anybody else who's interested, uh, four member Rock is the commissioner of the league. Yep. Uh, and he's taking care of everything, running everything for us, and it, it worked out really great last year. Yep. And I have no doubt it will work out superb this year. Absolutely. Uh, then we also had someone that uh, requested to be our friend on Facebook, and it was a guy named Roland, I assume the guy. And in sometimes you can when safe you, assumption when you send the uh, requests, sometimes you can put a personal message. And this one I just happened to notice. Okay. I don't know if other people have done it in the past, but he says. Love the show. You guys are nuts, but the podcast is a lot of fun to listen to. Nice. So, cool. We friend you, sir. <laughs> um, and then we got an interesting email. Yeah, we'll friend anybody on Facebook. Sure. We'll like that. Absolutely. Um, so then we got an interesting email from a guy named Simon Gow, or Go, G-O-U-G-H. Why does that sound familiar? Uh, the name should sound familiar. Uh, you'll hear it in a second in the in the email. Okay. Um, he says, in, it was called, uh, his email was intros and props. So he says, 
Intros first, I guess. I'm Simon Gallick. I'm currently coloring the Snake Eyes series alongside Robert Atkins. Oh, that's where that's familiar <laughs> from. He goes, blah, blah. Just had to shout out to you after being pulled into your podcast by the Dark on City podcast troupe. So because of Quinn and, and uh, hey, thanks, Robert, yeah. uh, they told he told they told him about us and hey now he's listening hey love your work he said thought i'd have a uh, thought i'd have a listen 10 episodes later and i'm still here so you must be doing something right nice loving the foul language keep that up fuck yeah <laughs> and the arguments word couldn't side with either one of you but still fun to listen to what do you mean i'm always right <laughs> well here's the part that cracks me up when i read it too yeah he couldn't side with either one of us you usually pick one side and I pick the other. Yeah. Is he like somewhere in the middle? or? <laughs> I think it just means he's wrong, but keep reading. He says, I'm newish to the Joe scene, so it's great to hear about all the toys and the older comic storylines. I had a lot of the toys as a kid, and I still have the animated movie, just for the intro, really, and the Cobra La 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 bits. Nice. <laughs> well, he goes, oh, he goes, and the Cobra La 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 bits, what was going on there? Oh, I don't know. That was garbage. <laughs> so, uh... Seen all of the latest stuff like Rise of Cobra, hmm, was his response to yeah, that. Uh, the new animated bits like Resolute, which was great. That was and, awesome. And yeah. Renegades, which is a bit so-so. I'm actually enjoying Renegades more and more. I'm more with him on the so-so. Well, it, have you still been watching it? Yeah. Like Cobra Commander got his full mask now. I, I have not seen the last couple episodes, it's, but... It's been getting good. Ripcord came I think back. The, the last... I saw that... Yeah, and I saw uh, shipwreck with the Courtney. Yeah, and that was really good. Com- that was the okay. shipwreck was okay. one was really good. It was okay. Um, but there's there's been like three or four since then. Okay, I'm a little behind. More, yeah. So, but uh, it's been getting better and better. Like I said, Cobra Commander actually has his full mask now. Nice, that's really cool. Um, that half mask was shit. I didn't. Like I agree. It. I, I agree. didn't like it at all. Uh, catching up with the IDW comic run as we speak and going back through the older you stuff. Should you're coloring it? <laughs> not <laughs> not the Marvel stuff though. Yet to hit that. All in all, loving the characters uh, all over again and getting to work with them. And despite the fans' general opinion, from what I can see, I like Helix. Shoot me. We like I, Hel- I like Helix. We like too, Helix yeah. too. So yeah, uh, I mean, she grew on us. At yeah. first, we were kind of like we iffy, were, yeah. like who's this new person? Yeah, but fear change. Now we freaking love her. Yeah. So um, true story. <laughs> he goes, big comic fan since I was a kid. Back when I started collecting early nineties X Men, and almost twenty years oh, later, <laughs> X Men. He's one of your guys. It's, it's popping up again. Yeah, I'm like, telling you, you're missing something, dude. I don't know. I just don't see it. <laughs> you haven't tried it. Give me Spider-Man or Batman or... The stuff, X-Men stuff I've given you, you said you've liked. All so. right. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd rather not. <laughs> All right. Then, yeah. Thank you. Uh, he goes, I'm still picking stuff up, though not the X-Men, which I pretty much... Uh, nice. Which I think pretty much sucks now. Fuck yeah, it does. He's on my side. <laughs> All right. I knew I liked that kid. But stopped reading a lot lately due to artist uh, wage. He says, I could download, but I won't on principle now. Because, you know, there's people that download stuff for free. They steal it, basically. You can do that? Yeah. Like Napster? Yeah. For comic books? Yeah. How do I get that? You don't want to. Why? Because you shouldn't. Why? It's one of our rules. It's free. <laughs> it's one of our rules. We are not. Steal? We are not to encourage that. Oh. So. <laughs> turn this off for a second. How do I get that? I don't know. <laughs> oh. Hey, Simon, email us back how to do that. <laughs> No, we're all about the cheap. You want to keep him. Well, yeah, this a job, is good stuff, and so. I'll continue buying the issues. I won't steal your shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to steal Batman and so. Spider Man. I'm, I'm t- be honest. Shh. With you. You get arrested for stealing. Yes. 
For sure. <laughs> you didn't know you get arrested for stealing? Using Napster is... I mean, back then, I mean, it wasn't illegal, was it? That's why they all went to trial. You remember that? No. <laughs> did they win? <laughs> no. Who's in jail? In a way, I guess they did, but no, not really. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, preach on. So anyways, he says... Uh, so it's back to going through the long boxes for classics. Star yeah, Wars. He goes, Star Wars, shit, yeah, that's one of my all-time favorite subjects. Attempting to go back through the old Knights of the Old Republic 2 PC game when I get a spare minute. I love that game. It was awesome. Um, so, yeah, ramble, ramble, loving listening to you guys. Natter on about stuff and uh, I'm actually interested in. Always a pleasure, and it keeps me entertained whilst trying to figure out what to do with a page. Been on the forums a few times, only just registered, but saying hi early on, taking the opportunity now before I get hit, uh, get the sack before being too slow at coloring in. Haha. So, um, he's from England. Okay. <laughs> just to let you know. Yeah, it, cool. It, at least that's how it came across to me that he's he's not from the states. Does does so, Robert Cinema's stuff you know and he colors it? Is that how I it goes? Yes, that's how it works. Um, well, you make his you make his well, stuff look really good. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's over there now. Yeah. Or if he's from, from there. Yeah, whatever. I, you know, it's, hey. it, just from his wording, it seemed like some of his terms and everything else. I think. Made me feel like... Oh, actually, it was this email address that made me think that. It was .uk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, did you figure I was out like, there, Tucker? I was like, there was something in his email that made me think that he was from the UK. <laughs> I mean, together with, you know, Robert and Simon on this book, or the Snake Eyes book, it's it's awesome looking. Oh, it's killer. Whether it's, you know, Robert drawing it is bringing it out, or him bringing the color to life. I, think I mean, you, it's you both. Have, you have the, the artist, the inker, and the colorist all working. You fucking shot a Snake Eyes. I right know. That is badass. I know. Dude. It's like I want to paint. Well, this that's shit. that's what I like so much about this Children's but Crusade like, issue too. It's like you have in that Snake Eyes issue, just like I said, the Children's Crusade. You have the artist, the pencil, which is the penciler, mm-hmm. the inker, which is also an artist, I guess, yeah. and the colorist, who's also an artist. You you have all three working so well together. Yeah, and then you throw in like Chuck Dixon writing a story, right? Gold, right? Exactly. So, all right. So, yeah, we, thanks for listening, guy. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, maybe we'll be able to figure out some way with time difference, like to actually have him on the show sometime. If he wants to be on the show, um, you want to be on the show. So, you know you do. Um, we we're did- fucking famous. <laughs> we're, we're internet famous. <laughs> it means nothing. Which but means it's, nothing. <laughs> but it's fame nonetheless. We still gotta get a T-shirt that just says that internet yeah. famous, which means nothing. Which means nothing. <laughs> um, all right, so we did have some voicemails. Yeah. And uh, so we had Chewy that called us. Fuck yeah. So uh, go ahead. I swear to God, I have got to get drunk with that kid. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, so, and today is a good day. So here's Chewy's voicemail. Gentlemen, it is Chewy. Or, sorry about that. What's up, fuckers? Uh, let's see. thought I would call in and just say hi. Uh, I went last night to see Transformers Dark of the Moon. Uh, put a review up on the Facebook page. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a very good flick. Uh, I admit I'm a Transformers geek. Uh, it's one of my favorite franchises. Uh, and I was one of the very few that uh, didn't completely destroy Revenge of the Fallen when it came out. Uh, but this, uh, you know what? The one thing that I will say is Michael Bay listened to his critics. A lot of the dick and fart jokes are gone. Uh, they replaced Smoking Hot uh, Michaela Baines with, uh, smoking hot, somebody else, doesn't really matter what her name is, but she can act. 
there are some new Transformers that are badass. Sentinel Prime is an outstanding character. Uh, the Wreckers make an appearance, which is tremendous. Shockwave, and especially my all-time favorite character, Soundwave, uh, really makes a good showing. Uh, so go enjoy it. Buy your popcorn. Uh, it's a good flick. It is uh, by far the best of the three in the Bayformers series. Um, I guess that's it. I thought I had something else to... Uh, to throw at you, but uh, I forget what it is right now, so I will talk to you later. Bye. All right, so uh, yeah, got the same view you do. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the Wreckers characters; they were pretty cool. Um, they were actually funny. Like their kind of funny wasn't the potty humor funny, where it was like yeah. forced. It was yeah, just going to miss those dick and fart jokes. Though. They were just kind of not like, going to lie. No, you won't. Okay. Um, their humor was appropriate for the movie instead of just being forced into the movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was things I didn't like, like. <laughs> John Malkovich was in it, and I was like, I like John Malkovich, but his the character he played was kind of over the top. He's almost like a John Malkovich to me is almost becoming like a Gary Busey type <laughs> character. Where I'm like, Gary Busey used to be good in a movie. Now it's like he's a the train ins- wreck. He's the train wreck that you put in the movie. Um, and then there was the guy from uh, The Hangover and uh, um, Community, the Asian guy. I can't remember what his name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. He was in the movie, and his part was, you could tell they put him in the movie just because... He's that guy. He's that guy. Yeah, he plays and that character. That funny Asian guy. So, yeah. now I've offended the Asians. Yeah. <laughs> Shock another group of people that we just offended. Um, but no, he... And it was oh, just like... so horny. Oh, jeez. What? <laughs> Me love you long time. Me love you long time. Yeah, just quoting a movie. Too beaucoup, cool, soldier boy. Too beaucoup. Cool. <laughs> One of these days, these boots are gonna walk hey, away. Hey, baby! You got your friend Vietnam? Not just this minute. Yes. Well, baby, me so horny. Me so horny. You keep lying. Me love you a long time. You party? Yeah, you we might party. When you are How much? Fifteen dollars? Fifteen dollars for both of us. No, eat you fifteen dollars. You long time, me so horny. Fifteen dollars to buku, five dollars each. Me sucky sucky, me love you too much. Five dollars is all my mom allows me to spend. Um, so fucking love that movie. So Chewie did call back, and he had another another message that he left us. So I'm gonna play that right now. Hey guys, it's Chewie. Uh, let's see, I have a question. Uh, I'm looking for ideas on how to display a loose figure collection. Um, I think I've, I've shared some videos with you. I'm a uh, G.I. Joe Pursuit of Cobra completionist. I've got that entire line. Um, I, I've currently got those just kind of on a shelf in my basement. Uh, but I'm also putting together a couple of other uh, some Joe collections and some Star Wars figs and those kind of things. And I'm running out of room, and I'm wondering you have any thoughts, ideas on how to display those? Uh, thanks. Keep up the great work. Talk to you guys later. All right. Yeah, well, welcome to my fucking world. <laughs> well, one thing is, when it comes to room, you're always going to run out of room. There's no, yeah. there's no secrets, really, or at least not too many secrets, to making it, giving you more room for your figures. Because the figures themselves, unless you pack, at some point, they're all going to be packed in. 
Yeah. And you're going to have just the room for the figures, and you're still going yeah, to run gonna, out of you're room. You're always going to be buying more, because they're going to yeah. produce more. You're going to run out of room. Um, shelves are good if you want to just put them up there loose. I, I usually do that with bigger figures, six-inch right. style. He, now, he collects the three and three-quarters right. Star Wars G.I. Joe, like he said. I like your setup as I'm looking at your shelf over there. Yeah. With the dioramas. Where I have a whole scene. Uh, yeah. And that's and those are cool to do dioramas you have with Star Wars, which yeah. are the ones you purchased from right. Power of the Force. Right. The the cardboard cutout dioramas. Right. You can make, make your them, own yeah. diorama, or you can maybe look at diorama. Or you can make a toy scene, diorama yeah. online, and maybe there's a kit you can buy. Yeah, where you can make a scene, and you can have it fill up your whole shelf. And if you, you have even, a toy room, that yeah. would be ideal. And if you could, or a basement, you can go to a place like a hobby shop, yeah, where they have like small trees and all that type of stuff. Yeah, if you want to get all Warhammer with it, and get crazy. Well, if, if yeah. you want to get really in depth with it, you yeah. can do that. Um, yeah, I have the little dioramas of the cantina and Jabba's palace, and then I put all the figures in there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you just want them for display, like you don't want a, a scene, you don't want to make yeah, a scene. Make a sh- you just want a stadium. You just want to show them. or something. Well, what I was going to say is uh, that one website we mentioned a long time ago, Collecting Warehouse. Mm-hmm. They have. First off, they'll have the figure stands for you, so if you're missing yeah. figure stands... Sometimes those stands are really good to help figure stand up right. who are having a hard time standing up right. on their own. So you'll have those, mm-hmm. and then they make those step tiers. Those tiers. It's right. like bleacher and you can, seats. Right. You can get like clear ones, you can get solid color ones, whatever. They have yeah. a whole bunch of different ones. And that's good, so this way you're not just having a bunch of Joes standing in a row, in a row and you don't see the ones you behind. You see the ones behind, yeah. You can actually... So it'll look like your fifth grade... Class picture, yeah. and you'll be uh, but you'll be able to see, all see of them. them, yeah, um, which is cool. Now that does take up shelf. that yeah. does take up some room yeah. because you're making you're putting a step thing in there, right? Um, so the, the bottom line is you're going to find that you're going to run out of room regardless. There's yeah. no magic way yeah. to create room for the shelves. I remember seeing your YouTube uh, post, uh, which was cool. Thanks. You should do more of that. That's awesome. Uh, I would rotate. Yeah. The setup that you have, because you have a shelf against the wall. It's kind of a flat shelf. Maybe it's like three or four inches yeah. wide. Just rotate your favorite characters back yeah. and forth. That's what I do. But I would I would recommend going to Collecting Warehouse um, because, I again, mean, we're, talking about again we're not sponsored by them, like but, that, yeah. but they have so many different options of stuff that you can get and stuff you can use. Right. They have those flying uh, holder type things where you can... Make a character look like they're flying in the air. I know that's oh, not good for the figure stands. Yeah. yeah, the figure stands where it makes it look like the figures. And flying. those are really good for three. They're not three inch, but six inch figures. Yeah, like the DC Classics, right? He Man Classics, right? Master Universe. But I mean, they have just so many different options of yeah, stuff you can get. Things, so, yeah. so check out that website. Like I said, I think it's just collectingwarehouse.com. and just check it out because there's so that's what they are. That's what they created their site to do. It's for yeah. it's for memorabilia and figures. So. Yeah, a lot of my figures are just displayed in plastic tubs or totes, and it's sad. Yep. Um, which, it, it prompted the question, I don't know if we have another voicemail on it, but I'll just lean into this yeah. really quick. It prompted the question that you put on Facebook, or not Facebook, but our forums. Um, if you could go to one yeah, you know, franchise that you collect of toys, well, what would it be and why? Yeah, and that was something that you brought up to me. Like, if you could only collect one, what would it be? Now, for just to give you guys a heads up, I collect... Transformers, G.I. Joe, Masters of the Universe, Star Wars, and Marvel and DC figures. Right. It's a lot. That's that's a lot. Yeah. And it is a lot. And it's yeah. it's a lot monetarily. Right. And it's a lot, you know, physically just for the sheer room and right. volume of it. 
And I would substitute, for me, your Masters of the Universe, I would probably substitute my Muppets stuff. Yeah, like, I pretty much that. collect all the same ones stuff you do, right. but I collect the Muppets where you collect the Masters of the Universe. So. And you have a couple of those. I have so a few of the Masters of the Universe, many, too, yeah. One or two pieces here and there. Yeah. Um, but, I, but yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm really slowing down with my collecting on that stuff because I'm like, I, I am running out of room. I'm running out of what am I going to do with all these figures, like ideas of what I can do with the figures. So, yeah. um, me so, too. So yeah, it's just like okay, so what do I what do I want to do? Like, do I really need this figure? That's kind of the question it comes down to. So, and it always comes out to yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then we had uh, we had one more voicemail, and then we'll get into the issues and everything else. But we had one more voicemail from Victor. Oh, okay. So, you want to wait on that one for like two more episodes? No. <laughs> Hey, gentlemen fuckers, it's Victor from Exploring the Multiverse. I'm just starting to listen to your episode about Mask, and I'm hearing all the feedback, the voicemail feedback. Uh, one, thanks for playing voicemail finally. It's about time. takes as long as uh, you guys as long to play a voicemail as build a mail out of package. And uh, I have to comment that, Chuck, you're correct. Chewie is the sidekick. He has a life debt to Han. Therefore, he is beneath him. Therefore, he is a sidekick. That is all, fuckers. All right, so he blended the both together of gentlemen and fuckers. Gentle fuckers? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, I like it rough. <laughs> so, so, you know, he should be grateful that, you know, he's able to deal with a podcast that actually has a voicemail. Ooh. Unlike right. his, where someone didn't get off their ass and get a voicemail put together. They had something, uh, 1-800-blah-blah-blah-beer, yeah. and it doesn't right. work or something. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, fix But, you know, if they get off their ass and actually have a voicemail, then if they... If they had a hotline, yeah. I would call in while they're recording, and the fun would begin. Yeah. That's actually something Victor actually said on know, one yeah. of their episodes. He says, he says, maybe if I get off my ass and actually yeah, do I something. Know, so Don't put stuff out there like that, Victor. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just make a we'll just, homoerotic video of you. Right. <laughs> but, uh, Montage. In regards to his whole Chewie is a sidekick thing. He's true. I have three, three points to make. You're going to use the Balky defense? I have three points to make. Go ahead. Number one. Number one. Number one. It took me saying that no one's called in to defend you on saying Chewie's a sidekick for someone to finally call in and say he's a sidekick. Number two. Number two. A life debt doesn't make Chewie a psych. You are wrong. Number three. No, listen. No, move. Listen. That's point. Listen. I've already said you're wrong. No. Yes. No. A life... Han saved Chewie's life. True story. Part of the Wookiee culture is that if your life is saved... You owe your life to that person. If a, if a genie comes out of the lamp, you get three wishes. Move on. Right, but that has nothing to do with a sidekick. A genie's not a sidekick to the person that rubs the lamp. It's just he owes him the wishes. Go ahead, you're wrong. Chewie owes him the li- his the life. Wishes. Chewie and a, and owes wishes. Chewie owes him his life, which he ended up giving and to save his. Yeah. To save him. And so. Hand job. Go ahead. Move right. on. Number three, Balky. <laughs> I knew you were going to use the Balky defense. I knew it. Fucking Rojas. I knew it. That's all I got to say. Balky. So, all right. So, Balky Bartok. So, do you want to get into some issues now? I guess. Uh, we have we have a lot of issues to cover. So, Fuck it. let's let's get into uh, let's get into from Springfield to Tatooine. From Springfield to Tatooine. My kind of town. <laughs> All right, we had uh, 14, 14 issues to cover. We got to stop doing this. 
we got to stop putting two episodes that don't talk about issues in between the episodes where we do talk about issues. <laughs> yeah, it just makes for good fun. All right, so uh, I don't know if you have a total... Uh, yeah, buy, 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 star, 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 star. No. Yeah, no. I have nine buys, okay. three borrows, two okay. snarfs. Okay, I had seven buys, Okay, three borrows, and four snarfs. You shitting me. No. Right. You liked them a little bit better than I did. I guess. All right. So, uh, just mean. what do we want to jump into first? Well, let's just take it stack by stack. All right. Here. So, here's what we're doing going forward, guys. Um, <laughs> Horror format. <laughs> kind of. Um, people still wanted the reviews. People still like the summary of what happened in the issue. Two people. Yeah, enough. Right. <laughs> but they said they don't need... We also had people say, I don't need you to tell me everything that happened, every little detail. True. So, but then we have people say, tell me everything. I'm not reading books. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, it was, it was difficult. So, we did a compromise. Yeah. And I am basically each episode or each time we have an episode where we cover issues, I've written out a very short summary. A couple sentences, maybe we'll few, hit the high notes. A few sentences to hit the high notes, and then we can just discuss the issue. And I'll point out what looks pretty. Right. So, uh, in case you're wondering, the reason why I wrote out all the summaries is because if I relied on Chuck to write out all the summaries, Son of a bitch. it wouldn't have happened. Chuck, you, sir, are an idiot. Go. <laughs> So, in Snake Eyes number two, we had Scarlet. She visits Snake Eyes as, and, he, me- as he meditates. Yeah, and this is uh, Robert uh, Atkins, penciler, yes. Chuck Dixon, writer, writer, and colorist, Simon. Simon, Simon Gow. There you go. So, uh, you guys can get mentioned when you call in to other guys. <laughs> uh, Scarlet visits Snake Eyes as he meditates, letting him know that she cares for him. And she gives him uh, her grandfather's compass, saying that... It brought him back from Vietnam, hoping that he'll snake. It'll help bring Snake Eyes yeah, back. Yeah, he her. mumbled something about wanting a hand job. I don't know. He didn't Whatever. mumble. He doesn't talk. He that's what no. he doesn't mumble. Oh, okay, go ahead. Snake Eyes and Alpine attacked the Cobra base. That was fucking kick ass. That was kick ass. Moving on, taking out many men and vehicles, but Alpine is shot and Snake Eyes is knocked out from a blast. True story. Iceberg and Helix come in and they're able to get Alpine out, but they have to leave Snake Eyes behind. Who was taken prisoner by Raja Kalakan. Raja Gu. Right. Uh, I'm like second cousins. Right. <laughs> True story. On, on the operating table where they have Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes actually slows his heart rate down to trick the surgeons to get close to him. Ah, that's the old ninja. And he attacks them in a weakened state, but Kalakan is able to take him down. They he put Snake Eyes. pressure points. Yep. Yeah. They put Snake Eyes in a room to recover. And then when he's fully recovered, he's going to face off against Slice and Dice. Right. Two, that was the end surprise in this yeah, issue here. Two old, old-style old lame ninjas from the Cobra side. Yeah, who they've I made, don't know if they were lame. I mean, Back then, I'm not saying now. I'm saying back when they originally came out. They were kind of those characters that no one really knew or cared about because they came out yeah, in the later series. The, yeah, they were later G.I. Joes, maybe... 97, 98-ish. Yeah. But, like IDW's been doing, they're taking those lame characters yeah. and making them cool. They, I mean, they, they, they're drawn. Look pretty yeah. cool. I mean, you know, slice and dice here. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So, but yeah, the uh, I'm hoping Alpine's okay. Yeah, me too, because you don't want to kill Alpine and Bazooka. Bazooka. <laughs> plus, Alpine's, oh. plus Alpine's one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. I've always liked Alpine, so. What did you give this one, Snake Eyes number um, two? Oh, I gave that a buy. Me too. That That's given. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. All right, uh, what we got here now is Cobra. Cobra Civil War number one. Yep. So uh, with Cobra number one, we had the Baroness is thinking about how she'll probably never be the new commander. In a bathtub. Yes, which is awesome. Bye. (laughs) Moving on. 
Uh, she realizes she'll probably never be the the new Cobra commander since she's a woman, and the co- and that Cobra is like an old boys' club. Um, Saboteur. Saboteur. She goes to Ecuador, Ecuador to take out a problem there, and returns to find Major Blood, Serpentor, and Vargas working on their next attack on the Joes. She basically tells the those shadowy people on the view screen that she's keeping Cobra running while everyone else is focused on how many Joes they can take out. And they said, we don't care. We want the Joes eliminated. Mm-hmm. Take care of them. We don't care that you're running everything while other while people you're are doing, doing this it, yeah. stuff. Uh, and that's the committee who's running yep. Cobra looking for a new commander. Uh, Breaker shows Steeler some info that he found on some activity in Ecuador, which is the stuff that Baroness was doing. Uh, but Steeler's not sure if of it and almost dismisses it. Uh, Blacklight, which was the agent of uh, the Baroness, who, what if remember from issue Previous, zero, yeah, issue, yeah, uh, he's the one that escaped from the with the trouble after killing or the other, yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think he's like one of her operatives. I think wasn't Blacklight the guy that ended up killing Bazooka also? I think so. A long, A long time, time ago? ago, I think. Yeah, things, I think so. Well, it could be wrong, but I, I, think. I think it was Blacklight. Um, so Blacklight reports to the Baroness of him being wounded and his men being taken out. Baroness says she's coming down there herself. And then we see her like get all strapped up and everything else. And, uh, yeah. Then we see Breaker talking on the phone with someone and he, and says he passed the Ecuador information along and we find out that Breaker is actually a member of the coil. Yeah, he has the the books on his shelf. Yeah. He's reading them into the coil snake up here. Yeah. So it looks like he might be getting brainwashed or he's a yeah. He, he's agent a, he's or, a disciple of a disciple of the coil. Of yeah. the coil. And I was like, ooh, that's intriguing. Yeah. Now. So then we go to uh well I gave that one a uh I gave that one a buy. I gave this a buy too for the story, not my favorite art. I like the art. And I, I'm a fan of Antonio Fuso. Not my favorite art. This art to me would not work. In the regular GI Joe book, yeah, for some reason or the style works book. in this. Book. It works in this book really well because it's but, this book's more of like your James Bond espionage type stuff, where the other books are more action. Yeah, and that's the thing I like is each of these books are getting their own define what they are. Mm-hmm. Like the Cobra book is very much this espionage type stuff. The GI Joe books your standard GI Joe action stuff, and then your Snake Eyes stuff is like the over the top action. Yeah. With specialist teams. Yeah, and, and uh, a real American hero is just well, Larry Hema, goodness. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about just the... I, I'm, talking in, I'm talking in the IDW... Milk. I'm talking about in the IDW world. They're yeah. just the three books. Yeah, again, I, so. I, I enjoy the Cobra book. Yeah. Um, it's a buy. Again, not my favorite art, like I mentioned, but yeah. it's good. Now, we also have number two of this. Yes, story. we have number two. Uh, and number two, not a whole lot for me to actually write down because it was just a lot of action. But uh, we find Serpentor is manipulating people and actions around him, mm-hmm. uh, and he's not even one, he's not even supposed to be one of the candidates. He's on one of the covers as one of the candidates, but he to uh, be the new according to the story, he's not even being considered as one of the candidates. But to yet, be the new commander, right? To be the new commander, but he is still manipulating a lot of people. Right. Uh, then we find a Joe team is being sent to Panama. Then we have uh, Blacklight actually hijacks a Jeep, which that was kind of a cool scene. Oh, yeah. And then the Joes, when they arrive in Panama, get attacked by some lampreys and Crocmaster. Yeah, he's back. Somehow Crocmaster's back. They they never say how, they never say why, but he's back. 
And when he was, you know, shot, harpooned, or whatever, in we the don't know. Face. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, har- maybe that's why he wears the hood. He was harpooned know. in the face. <laughs> but it was never said that he died. True. So maybe True. he lived. And True. Was, you know, whatever. Hey. Uh, the only Joe to survive this whole attack was Steeler. At least that's what it seemed like by appearances. Right. There right. is one page where he says Breaker to HQ, but I think he's contacting Breaker. Yeah, he's like talking to Breaker. Yeah. yeah. But when he said Breaker to HQ, I was like, wait, is this supposed to be Breaker that survived? Because it, it's just not Yeah, because he's asking for emergency well. evac. Right. Yeah. But it's definitely Steeler. Yeah, it's just based on the look of the character. And it seems like Steeler is becoming the new Chuckles. Like, he's the character we're following in this Cobra story. That'd be cool. So, again, um, Serpentor tell, at the very end, Serpentor tells Pythona. Yeah. That I name know. popped up. I know. It, I highly doubt it's the Cobra Law Pythona. I don't... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think, think she's is. just an, I think she's just an agent. Like it's just an agent named Pythona. I, I think that's all they're using. I hope. Because um, if that shit comes out, I will drop <laughs> that fucking book in a heartbeat. No, I think the world that they've created is not going to happen. I think it's just that there's an agent that's named Pythona. When you were created, my face was etched into your soul. I am Pythona. There was Globulus in that other Cobra books, dude. But he was just that was a myth. Type thing. I don't know, dude. So there wasn't an actual being named Globulus. There, it was just like this mythology type thing that they talked about. So, um, so Serpentor tells Pythona that the Joe that they have working on the inside, and I assume is Breaker, yeah, uh, will call probably call in distressed, and that she is just to stick to the script when he does. So evidently they have a way of dealing with this if she just sticks to the script. Because he's going to call in saying, that information you gave me sent my whole team out and they all died. Yeah. Because he doesn't know he's being used yet. So. Right. So uh, that I, was a buy for me It also. was a buy. Again, uh, good story. Not my favorite artwork. Yeah. But a good story. The story the story is one of my favorite stories right now. Because again, I like this multi-level, what the hell's going on stuff. Right. So. All right. Then we have uh, Star Wars Darth Vader and the Lost Command. Number five. Yep. And, and the final book in this chapter. Yes. And uh, this was a buy. Total fucking buy. Yes. Total buy. Yep. Uh, so we have it at the in the last issue. Vader busts free wanting to find Padme. Because mm-hmm. he's been hallucinating about her. Yeah. Uh, he attacks Shale, Commander Shale, who ends up having explosives strapped to himself. But Vader protects himself just in time as Shale yeah, explodes. Blows, blows himself. Uh, yeah. Vader tries to catch up to Garrosh, Garrosh Tarkin, and that lady in white. But runs into another illusion of Padme again. Right. He gets past the illusion, and the two try to convince Vader to spare them and their unborn baby. But Vader brings all the walls down all around them. Vader is found later by the Emperor, saying he survived by the power of the dark side. They now have uh, have lied to Tarkin about his how his son died, and have a more loyal servant in the end, which is what they wanted to begin with. And they just move on to what's next. Yeah, because he found out that that, uh, that lady in white was actually hallucinating and making him pretend right. to see Padme. And he brought all those boxes down and all that stuff. Yeah. And just killed everything. Yeah. And trying to kill himself. Yeah. And basically, I mean, the cool thing about it is Vader was evil in this book. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, he killed two people and their unborn child. Yeah. he was Well, he was like evil from start to finish in this book. Yeah. And you see him doing the bidding of the Emperor, pulling the strings. I mean, he's, he's a total Vader yep. badass. And I'm sure part of it, too, is he lost his wife and his... Un- well, he thinks he lost his, his unborn, unborn child, children. Yeah. So, 
he's like, why should they be allowed to keep theirs? Basically, right. so yeah. so very cool, very solid cool. buy. Yep. So now we have uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic, number one, number one, and it's a, it's a it's a good jumping on point if you want to read Old Republic. Okay, it's part one of five. Yep. Um, what'd you have for this one? I, I put this down as a borrow. I had this as a snarf. Okay. All right. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But here's here's what basically happened. Uh, we start off in the past with Satelli Shan. Uh, she leads her fellow Jedi's Sayo Bakarn, Bella Kiwix, and Jarek Kaden, and a bunch of troops against Darth Mechus. Uh, Satelli comes in to take Mechus as a prisoner. Now, Mechus looks like a female. Yes. Okay. We jump ahead in years and see a man named Theron is listening in about a slave ring run by the Black Sun, which was something I thought found kind of cool because the Black Sun is something that was around during the Shadows of the Empire storyline that took uh, that came out years ago that took place between was supposed to take place between Empire and Return of the Jedi and it was supposed to explain how they found out where Boba Fett took Han Solo. Okay. There was this whole organization called the Black Sun which were the rivals of Jabba the Hutt and his guys. So uh, and they were also rivals of the, even the Empire. The Hutt. So then we have uh, Theron attacks the group capturing a Twi'lek female which we find out later is named uh, Tefrith. Or, yeah, Tethith, something like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he takes her hostage uh, for info. Theron takes her to the Republic. And sexual favors. <laughs> Theron takes her to the Republic, who gets some info from her. He is then asked to find and meet with a Jedi named Nagani Zo, who may have been behind enemy lines at one time and would know a lot of information that they would need to know. Theron decides to take Tethith with him. We find out that Nagani trained Theron's mom, which was Satelli. Mm-hmm. So the, so the original Jedi we back, saw yeah. at the beginning, yeah. that's his, this guy's mom. Uh, we then see Darth Mechus alive and free, ready to send her Sith Knights to also find Nagani. Right. So that's how it all starts off. Now, here's the reason why I found this as a snarf. Okay. It's my biggest problem with the Old Republic comics at, that we read before. It jumps around all over the freaking place. It, it does. It does. Yeah, it does. Why I give it a borrow? It's it's number one of five. Mm-hmm. It starts off. There's a lot of action. Sure. The art's good. Yeah. Very colored. Very well. Yep. Um, and there's some naked people in tubes in the back. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> but it, it seems like I did have to go through this issue twice in order for me to understand what the hell happened. Yeah, I, I kind of did too. I went back a couple pages. And I'm like, well, where, I mean, I didn't, where did re- this come I didn't from? have to reread it again. Yeah, because we're looking at, like you said, they're they're talking to each other, and he's got the Twilight here, and then I'm on a ship in somewhere yeah. else, and it, if, even at a little blur. If they said, had even a little meanwhile yeah, somewhere else, if they had like a that, little yeah. narration saying like on this planet or yeah. or that this the opening scenes took place. You know, a hundred years ago. Yeah, or like, yeah, something uh, like that. two weeks later, you know, or 50 years later. Or right, like. something like that that would let me know where... But next thing you know, like you said, you turn the page and you're like, oh, right. okay, where am I now? And again, I read it. It was a good story. I yeah. would, you know, I love borrowing it from yeah. somebody. I um, love the twist. getting it from a library. Yeah. I did love the twist that that ended up being his mom. Yeah, I mean, that was good. That was, was cool, it was but... It a good story. I, I wouldn't yeah. not necessarily not pick it up, especially if you ignore Star Wars comics. Right, and it's supposed to relate to the video game, the multiplayer online video game, so maybe if you're playing it, you'd understand more of who these characters right. are. Right, this is based on the video game from uh, right. Bioware and LucasArts. But one of the other problems I had is they kept introducing characters... As if they mattered, and then I find out later they didn't matter. They don't, yeah. Like, they introduced all these Jedis at the beginning, and then the only one that mattered was Satelli. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) 
That was a waste of time. Well, remembering I mean, maybe who they it'll are. be brought up in number two, maybe. three. I mean, maybe, yeah, we'll see. And again, that's why I yeah didn't totally start it. All right, uh, now we have another Star Wars. Star book. Wars: The Jedi, The Dark Side, number one, number one, which is a Qui Gon Jinn story. Yes, and let me just give a brief summary on number one here. We have Qui Gon is sparring with his Padawan Xanatos and his former student Femor. Uh, Master yeah. <laughs> Master Tall enters saying Yoda requested Qui-Gon's presence. Master Tall is assigned a new Padawan named Orican. Orican! Orican! <laughs> who lost her master. Uh, they are told they will go to the Telos Four system, which uh, our planet, which is Xanatos' homeland, due to a possible political assassination. Yeah, she's got a nice rack. I mean, it's good. <laughs> it's all good. Well, and it seems like there is a romance between yeah. Qui-Gon and Master Tall. So. Right, right. If we're going to hit her, I mean, it's yeah. nice. It's nice and looking. You can do that. As they come to, uh, to Xanatos' uh, pl- homeworld planet of Telos IV, they crash land because of a battle. Uh, and the, once they crash, they actually help stop the battle that started, uh, ending with Xanatos landing at the feet of his father. Right. Which, to me, was the only cool thing in this issue. This was a snarf for me also. This was a snarf for me, too. It was cool at the end where Xanatos fell... And he looks up and his dad's There's like, his dad, yeah. like, hello, son, or whatever. Yeah. And that was it. That was the only cool part. They make Xanatos a whiny little bitch. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and the art in this book, I, I didn't like at all. I didn't mind the art. I didn't think it was great. No, look at, look at the think faces. Some I mean, of the faces look really bad. Qui-Gon's nose is crazy. There, there, yeah, there's a couple faces that I Yoda, thought... Yoda yeah. doesn't look good Yoda doesn't look too bad here. I mean, like, look at this one. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. But there, yeah, there's some faces that look yeah. really bad. But there's some shots that look good. So as I said, it's kind of like hit or miss. Um, nah, I was, but I was not a fan of. But the like I said, the the story, the the thing that really took me out of the story was the Xanatos character because they. It's one thing to make a character like afraid and everything else, and make him seem like he might go to the dark side at one point. Yeah, how would you pronounce that artist? Mahmoud Asrar. I don't think you brought your A game, sir. <laughs> Or madam, I but, don't think it brought your A game. But like you said, if they made uh, Xanatos not so whiny, it may have been better. But, like he actually ran off from Qui Gon at one point because he was yeah, afraid, afraid that yeah. he was afraid that Qui Gon was going to replace him with a different Padawan and stuff. And yeah, it, it might be due to youth here. Um, but we got number two too. Yeah, we have number two Star Wars Jedi. Dark so Side, let me number two. Uh, let me go over uh, Dark Side number two. Uh, the group is taken to their rooms. They are then shown the location of the possible assassination, and they use the Force to try to sense what occurred. Uh, Orukin <laughs> gets an image, but a Jedi was involved and shrouds what happened, knowing Orukin's, uh knocking Orukin unconscious, as would happen in a Street Fighter character. Uh, totally. <laughs> Master Tall, looking for info, comes across some uh, some men responsible for their ship crashing, and she takes them out, which that was a cool scene. Except for one that actually ended up escaping. It's determined a lot is being hidden from them, basically. This, yeah, again, was the same s- artist. It's a yeah. snarf for this me, This was too. a snarf for me, again. The only real cool part in this book, there was a hammerhead character in the back. Yeah, that was cool. To see that. Um, I, did like, I did like that, oh, there's a Jedi that's involved. But it's like, they've already dismissed that it could possibly even be a Sith. Yeah. I've- and you still have the whiny Xanatos character. And now you have... This other Padawan, who I thought was kind of a neat character, now you've knocked her unconscious. Again, yeah. Um, it's like a one lot of the few Star Wars books I'm not enjoying. Yeah, I'm really not enjoying this one. Not at all. So I'm hoping it gets better. Yeah, it's, it's a five-parter. Those are the first two. Um, yep. Again, art, 
needs to step it up a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the pencils or the color that's doing it, but it looks yeah. like both. And um, the story just needs to get The better. story's not good. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Now we go on to G.I. Joe number, number two. two. All right. So with this one, this is uh, the IDW G.I. Joe. We have Storm Shadow sneaks into the Joe base as Zartan infiltrates further into the base, disguising himself as various people as he takes them out. Um, Hawk is trying to get more of what he needs uh, from up top, but all he gets is is that they'll see what they can do. Mm-hmm. On the way out, Hawk is attacked, uh, but takes down the assailants with the help of DT, the female Dalton. Female Dalton. Uh, Zartan... <laughs> they should have named her, like, DP. <laughs> like, the help of double penetration. Zartan assumes Dusty's likeness and attacks the base, uh, the Joe base, with a mech suit. But he's taken down as Storm Shadow still remains hidden in the base. Yeah. So the Joes now realize that the whole reason why Zartan did what he did is because he must have been letting someone else in. Yeah. Um, what was this for you? I had this one uh, as a very low buy. I had this one as a high borrow. <laughs> so we're That's probably on the same yeah. place. Because I feel like it went down a little bit from the first issue. It did. And there was a couple points where I felt like they were starting to bring, no offense because I realize it's appropriate for the Larry Hama stuff, but there was a couple points in here where I felt like they were bringing the cheese factor in. And I was like, this this G.I. Joe shouldn't have the cheese factor in it. Um, One of them in particular that I wanted to point out because I thought it was a stupid reaction was where Zartan goes into the kitchen. Oh, when they're the, yeah. And the one guy goes, um, he... He takes. He has a, a cooking mallet behind him. Zartan mm-hmm. does like a meat tenderizer. Yeah, a meat tenderizer, and he smacks the one guy over the head. And the other guy's response is, "Ah, food critic, huh? That's not how you'd respond." Yeah. If, it's like, "What the? Fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah." You'd be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Because it looks like it's. I want to say it's Wild Bill, but I'm not exactly 100. No, I don't that. think that's. I mean, cook. just because of the I mean, I understand. Yeah, everything, it's how it looks like. The but guy. like you said, the other guy's response was. Oh, food critic, huh? I'm like, look, really? (laughs) A lot of straight lines in this art. Yeah. Um, So there. I do like the way that Scarlet is portrayed in this issue. Yeah. And I do like the fact that Storm Shadow is in the pit running. Yeah. Yeah. There's the story elements I like, and that's why I said it's a high borrow for me because it's like it's 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 good. I liked reading it, but it could be better. But it could be better based on the other stuff that we had. Like also with this. Uh, Hawk's trying to get more money and more information available to G.I. Joe. Yeah. And the guys are sitting there with laptops. Playing solitaire, One of them's yeah. playing solitaire. And I'm like, that's really? the cheese factor. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. that I could see in A Real American Hero. I don't see it in this. <laughs> and then the, the other guy that attacks him that has the explosive strapped to him, it's, it's his shirt says somebody. Yeah, like the Punisher or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like... The mech, the mech suit, I could have done without. Started making me think of, like, Avatar. But again, <laughs> but again I mean, there's a G.I. Joe... Sure. Stuff out there with the mech suits, so sure. maybe they're trying to sell product or something. But the the way the scarlet is with the the pants matching yeah. and not the like the under tights or something yeah. like that, the leotard. Yeah. I like this version of Scarlet sure. here. And it also looks like we have Helix in yeah. this book as well here, which is good. And I like the end. I love the end, yeah. Storm where Storm Shadows up yeah. in the shadows. And it's and like he could, you know, kill three yeah. Joes right there. Like I said, I enjoyed the issue. I, I liked the issue. I just feel like it took a slight step down from the first issue. I agree with that. It did. So It did. I'm glad you said that because I actually thought this one would surprise you and you'd be pissed because I picked it as a borrow. No, no. <laughs> I almost gave that a borrow too, but yeah. 
It's I think we're kind of I think we're kind of in the same place more than I did. Yeah, I think we're both in the same place with that. So so. I could be persuaded, flip a coin (laughs) to borrow this, right? (laughs) So um, all right, right. let's do uh, some transformers. We got transformers. Let's do the uh, heart of darkness. So we got heart of darkness number three and number number four. So number three we have is uh, out at the planet of Spindrift. We have a flying pirate ship manned by crab people. Hell yeah, we do. And they're being attacked by flying eels that they're actually trying to catch. I think I had this plate at Joe's Crab Shack one time. (laughs) And then this Leviathan comes out of the clouds to attack them. But Galvatron blasts it because he wants part of their ship, which was actually a dormant headmaster named Thinkbox. Let me just stop you right there and say fucking lame. (laughs) All right, go ahead. Well, (laughs) yeah. Thinkbox shows Galvatron where he can raise several bots from the dead. Because remember, he has the Heart of Darkness where he can do that. yeah. Uh, and that can help build his army. They continue around the galaxy doing this in various places. Then when they're on the planet uh, Dikera, they find another trans-dimensional portal like the one they found on Gorlin Prime, but someone is coming out of it, and it's Galvatron's quote-unquote long-lost friend, yeah, Nemesis Prime. So, so they're tying in kind of the movie. And yeah, stuff, yeah, this one was a snarf for me. I had it as a very low borrow or a high snarf. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm know, just going to say it's a snarf too. You, you know what took me out of it? The whole crab people thing. And the art. I mean, it looks well, like it was I, fucking done by yeah. a fifth grader. But I can excuse sometimes bad art if I have a good story. Dude, this is neither. If I had a good story. The the crab people took up half the issue. Look at this. That's fucking ridiculous, dude. Yeah, it's not horrible, though. It's it's just a lot of straight lines. Which I guess robots are going to be yeah. straight lines, but I yeah. mean, fucking shit. And some of their faces, they look too human. Yeah. Um, Look at he's fucking smiling. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on. But like I said, the crab people did not like that yeah, at all. No, it, was, it just no. bothered me. It really bothered yeah, me. I, so. Yeah, you convinced me, Snark. <laughs> it um, didn't take much, dude. Yeah, it didn't take much. I'm honestly, Abbott and Lanning is on this. Yeah, I'm not enjoying this. I know. I'm not. And I'm sorry because there's been so much Abbott and Lanning stuff that I've loved. Yeah. But I'm sorry that this is your first exposure to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you've you've given me some other things, yeah. too, but I mean... Yeah. All right, so now we have Heart I of... I thought it would be good because, you know, hey, it's Transformers yeah. or something I like. Hey, it's a creator that you like. Right. team, blah, blah, blah. So now we have uh, Heart of Darkness number four. Being fucked up. <laughs> so we have Heart of Darkness number four. We get a glimpse through images and narration of who Nemesis Prime is, which we find out that Galvatron previously murdered him to get the Heart of Darkness from him. Which is cool. Uh, the Devoid, which I hate that name, too. The Devoid. The Devoid. It's, it's like, Devoid. Didn't he, like, crush your pizzas at Domino's? Yes, that's the Noid. This is the Noid. He loves to ruin your pizza. If you've ever gotten cold pizza, a squash pizza, or pizza that just wasn't right, the Noid did it. At a Domino's Pizza, we avoid the noise. So when you want hot, delicious, quality pizza delivered in less than 30 minutes, Domino's Pizza delivers. One call does it all. Oh, the noise. Um, Devoid brought Nemesis back. Then Nemesis starts draining the soldiers that Galvatron's organized of of their power (laughs) and he actually becomes this behemoth monster that claims he's actually the devoid devoid yeah uh they are all able to take it down and galvatron says that was actually just a harbinger and what is to come from the true devoid 
is going to be really bad. (laughs) And we get a flashback to Galvatron asking Prime for help from the whole infestation story arc. So they did tie it back to the the old infestation Transformers thing. Yeah, so they attached themselves to that turd. (laughs) Right. Um, But that was pretty much to show that he wasn't... You know what? I'll say for this book, it's very bright. Yes. Very colorful. Yes. Um, so they at least did tie it back briefly to why that story was important is because Galvatron was trying to recruit Prime and Prime mm-hmm. said no, no basically. Yeah. Um, they travel to Cybertron where they meet Hot Rod, Wheelie, Ironhide, etc. But before they can work things out with the Autobot, uh, the Autobots actually flee believing they are under attack, under attack yeah. and Galvatron declares he will protect Cybertron. So he's like, Cybertron's mine and I will defend it to my last breath. So this one was a borrow for me because it started tying into the regular Transformers story. I gave this the same as the number three issue. It's low borrow. It's preparing for chaos, which high high snarf. Which God, I (laughs) hope chaos is better than this. (laughs) It better be, especially Um, if they're going one twenty five on this shit. I don't want to keep buying this kind of crap. Yeah. So this was a thing I wanted to point out to you as well. Doesn't this look like it should be like one whole splash page the way it's cut off here? Like there's a yeah, page missing? Yeah, there, the page he's talking about is there's where you see the portal, the temporal portal for like uh, early on, or like right in the middle, it's page 14. Uh, the left side almost looks like it should be a splash page that continues on to the right side. Right in the middle where the staples yeah. are, and it's it's not there. It looks like it should be page 14 and 15 are both a, a big splash page, but it's yeah, not. Yeah, it's not. So, I don't know. Because half the art's cut off. Yeah. I mean, you know. But maybe it's just the design they decide to go with. Yeah. But All right, so. Let's get to some good Transformers. Now we're getting some good Transformers. We're sorry. We so, didn't write that shit, but. Um, so now we got Transformers number 19. Fuck yeah, bye. So, so let's see. Trans- Solid. Transform- bye. Transformers 19 I had as a borrow. You're retarded. Well, I'll tell you why. I offended once- and retarded people. <laughs> once, I, once I cover it, no. I will tell you why. No, fuck this, dude. This no, is listen. You'll know why in a moment. Solid. Listen. You just don't like Wheelie. Go ahead. Make, That's, part make point. That's part of it. I knew it. I fucking knew it. So here. Hot Rod Crash Land. Anti-Wheelie. Li- yes. L- listen. <laughs> listen. Here's, no, what, here's no. what happened. Hot Rod, the you know the dead Hot Rod. Dead Hot Rod floating around with the he, Matrix of Leadership. He crash lands on a planet where these ogre-like creatures collect them and start using the Matrix as a power source. Right. Hot Rod's actually able to escape but runs into this huge beast... But then he's saved from the huge beast by Wheelie, who actually doesn't even recognize Hot Rod. One of the ogre creatures, Garnak, finds them, and together they actually uh, convince Garnak to help them out. And he agrees to take them to the ship that the other ogre creatures are running uh, so that they can actually get off the planet. They use the Matrix uh, attached to Hot Rod as a power source, and they blast away. So that's basically what happens. Pretty much in a nutshell. Yeah. I don't like it for two. I, there was I, it was a borrow because I liked it overall, but yes, I don't like Wheelie. I hate the freaking rhyming that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 old school Wheelie. Oh, I know. So you remember how he was in the cartoon? Yeah, I didn't like him. Day. I didn't like him then either. I like the fact that they did that. Wheelie's the snarf character. Grant, <laughs> I'll give you and that. You, you like the snarf character. I'll give you that, but. To me, they remain true to that character. Sure, I'm not saying and these two ogre creatures you're calling them. Yeah, um, they remind me of Masters of the Universe. They so I like. They that. remind me of the crab people from Heart of Darkness. No, they were better than that. dude. <laughs> They're a little bit better, they not much better though. And they're being tricked and duped by by this guy right. here. But here's the thing: they serve almost no purpose in the, the grand scheme of things. Mm, I would this one this one this no one purpose. guy that teams up with them is the only guy that's relevant. 
The other guys... He's using them, because that's the people on yeah. that planet. And he crash-landed there, too. I'm going to predict... He's using them. I'm going to predict right now that this guy doesn't last two more issues. Wow, really? I think he's going to be gone, and he's going to be irrelevant. Maybe. And then those ogre people are going to be completely irrelevant. Impossible. And like I said, I mean, it, I'm not it's a me. borrow. I liked reading it. It was a good story. It's a hell of a lot better than Heart of Darkness oh, was. Yeah. But I don't like Wheelie. I didn't really care for the ogre guys. Like... And you, I mean, you're not that big a fan of Rodimus Prime anyway, or Hot Rod. I like Hot Rod. Uh, well, I mean, he's not going to crack your. Top I don't like 10. him as I don't like him as the leader of the he's Autobots. Not crack your top ten. No, I'd take Bumblebee as the leader of Autobots over Hot Rod. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> um, all right, so then we go into Transformers number twenty. Right. And solid buy. This was a buy. Solid. This was a buy. Rock um, solid. Hot Rod wakes up with the Matrix removed. Mm-hmm. And finds that Wheelie is flying the ship to Cybertron, not knowing all that actually happened on Cybertron. Yeah. Uh, they land and hear this banging on the door, and they're ready for the worst, only to find it to be Ironhide busting through. Yeah, awesome. Uh, they have a reunion with Ironhide, Sunstreaker, and they meet Bob, a reprogrammed Insecticon that acts as Sunstreaker's legs, kind of. Yeah, sort oh of. yeah, this is Bob. And this is Bob. So, uh, so he's, a, he's a converted Insecticon. Yes. So they are attacked by Scourge, and Scourge uh, actually moves on. He comes Scourge. by and, and like blasts it's them. Scourge. 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 I think it's Scourge. It's uh, S-C-O-U-R-G-E. I always pronounce it Scourge. That's U-R-G. U-R-G. Well, whatever. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm pronouncing a little bit more. Maybe I'm just illiterate. Go ahead. Or maybe it's Scourge. I don't yeah, know. I, I, just, I always said Scourge. All right. Um, Scourgey. So he just kind of moves on, though. He doesn't mm-hmm. spend a lot of time blasting at them. So Hot Rod and Wheelie actually decide to follow him, and they find out the Galvatron's on the planet, and they're like, crap, we need to get the hell out of here. So they decide to use the Matrix one more time on a ship to blast out right before Galvatron's forces arrive, saying they're going for, uh, and the Autobots say they're going for reinforcements, and we see that on their projection screen is the planet Earth. Right, and I love how they they look at Galvatron, and Howard's like, we need to get the hell out of here now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's got Bob like a giant Rottweiler on a big chain, and it's awesome. Yeah. And they tie it all back, they go back. Back to the planet where Hot Rod, I'm not Hot Rod, but where Ironhide and Sunstreaker were abandoned, yep. and they, they, they land there, and now they're getting these guys back, yep. and now these guys are all going back to Earth. Yep. So, so the next issue, good. chaos begins. Yep. Yeah, and chaos. I'm very interested to see what that I, is. Yeah, I think that what they're going to do is they're going to go back to Earth, and all hell's going to break loose. Yeah, and uh, I know some of the issues are going to take place on Earth, and some of the issues are going to take place on Cybertron. Mm-hmm. So because they're actually titled that way. Yeah. So it should be pretty interesting. Um, all right, now we have just two more issues uh, out of the 14. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> two classic or a real American hero, yes. Larry Hamill goodnesses. Yes, and I will say up front that these are both buys. Fuck yeah, they were. Well, your opinion doesn't mean anything because they're all buys to you. But, <laughs> but I love Larry. But I had people losing their mind, not a lot, just one person, really, Manticore. Losing his mind. Yes, because he's right and no, wrong. No, he's not. Yes, he was. He's being too nostalgic. No, those were good you stories. You guys look at these issues through rose-colored glasses. I would marry this issue. <laughs> this is, 166, yes, it was awesome. All right, so here's what happens. Deep Six, Shipwreck, Cutter, and Topside, Topside are, yeah. arrive at Broca Beach to observe and report. Broca Beach. Uh, meanwhile, Destro and the Baroness board a sub to head back to Scotland. Deep Six takes the shark down under and... <laughs> down, under. down under. Come on. 
and sees the uh, sub leaving. Right. Dr. Mindbender reports to the commander that the brainwave scanner was sabotaged by the Rashikagi. The ninja. Yes. And Cobra Commander thinks that Destro must have been behind the whole thing. Right. Uh, so he sends the Moray eels, or the Moray subs, uh, or boats or whatever. The Cobra Hydrofoils. The Cobra Hydrofoils. Uh, after the sub. And the Joes see the Morays coming at them, and a huge battle ensues with the Joes barely surviving. Oh, it was great because you got the, the Hydrofoils, three Hydrofoils... Versus the shark and yeah. versus the hovercraft. And it was basically the Joes were like, crap, they're sending, you know, they're coming after us and they didn't realize they were coming after the right, sub. Right, exactly. And then, like, this huge battle, which was just totally kick ass. Not going to go into details, just a huge battle. You should check buy it out. this issue. Yeah, buy the issue. Check it buy out. Buy this issue. Um, and then at 166, the, at the end, Destro's sub could have finished the Joes, but instead he turns the sub and leaves them all behind, making Cobra Commander totally pissed off. Oh, yeah, because he could have just totally. They're, they're dead. They're hovercraft. They're dead in the water. In, yeah. It's on flames. It's not really working right. You're like, yep. we're going to look at him right in the eye before he fires his missile at us. And he's like, nah. Yeah. Turn it around. We're and that's in. that's the part that made me really love this issue because yeah. I was like, that's cool. That's a nice little twist. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, there was a couple things that were a little over the top, but I expect that with a real American hero. This is what you want over the top. Well, well I'm saying it's it's what I expect with a real American hero. Like, with the uh, the hydrofoils, when they launched out, they launched out of tubes. The tubes from the building. As if they're like a... a shan- Shot out of a cannon. As if they're like a SeaWorld uh, show. <laughs> yeah. <with> the- <laughs> and they go all the way across the pier, across the beach, flying yeah. into the water. Yeah, I know. And then they're on their little... Fl- yeah, and I'm awesome. like, they would have crashed and died. <laughs> yeah, who cares? But it was fun. It was fun. Polly squawks so, a couple times. He's got uh, a few one-liners in I could have done without Polly. You got Cutter with his Boston, uh, you know... Br- Boston Red Sox head yeah. on. I forgot what they're called. Polly almost ruined it for me. Yeah, she <laughs> I hate Polly. <laughs> this is a great issue. All right, so then we have uh, 167. 167, a real American hero, yep. G.I. Joe, Larry Hama is God. So now we have... Uh, Love it. Bye. <laughs> Solid. Well, yeah, we've already said these are buys. Okay, go ahead. So at the North... I want to reiterate that. At the North Pole... You know, we almost timed this perfectly to start covering the old issues mm-hmm. because this one does a flashback to number, number two. Number two, yeah. And we're going to be doing number one. Oh, I, I, love, <laughs> I love the fact so, that we're going back this far. So at the North Pole... Uh, at the North, North Polar Ice Cap, yeah. Blizzard, Cold Front, Frostbite, and Iceberg are heading to an old Russian ice station, which is the one from issue number two. That's an issue two. Uh, they get surrounded by Cobra. There's a bunch of Cobra Wolves, yeah. which I actually had that as a, a toy as Did a kid. Really? I yeah. love the Cobra Wolf. It was really cool because they had the, the ski torpedoes. Yeah, I never had that one. It was really cool. They get uh, surrounded by them. Destro and the Baroness are about to have a romantic evening together sex. at Destro's castle. Sex. They're going to have sex. When Destro is informed, all Cobra contracts have been canceled. Son of a bitch. So Destro wants so now Cobra all the... Tra- with his money. So he wants all tracers put on everything out there because he has tracers on everything. Inside of all of his weapons, yep. Jay. Uh, Firefly meets up with Crystal Ball. This is funny. Which is a pretty funny scene. Yeah, this is funny. You'll have to read it. You guys will have to read it. To break into a top-secret research base in Manhattan for some info on the Rapid Pulse Electron Beam Projector. And we actually get glimpses of the research that's being done there. And Joseph Colton makes an appearance. Oh, Joe Colton. The original, the original Joe. original Joe. Uh, the issue was stuck together a little bit here while were you cranking it off? Yeah, I was just I was excited. Larry Hamagood. So at the North Polar Ice Cap, all the Joes are captured except for Blizzard, who sends a message to the Joes by like a YouTube tube stream Stream, or something like that of what happened and and goes to complete his mission. You know one of the best parts about this book? Yeah. And you didn't cover it, but I'll bring it up. Yeah, that's fine. That's dial tone. Yeah. 
That's a man. That's a man. With a mustache. <laughs> At the end of the book. Yep. That's all I gotta say. Yep. That's all I gotta say. So. Um, so Love yeah. it, buy it. You yeah. should be reading The Real American Hero if you're not. Yeah, the last... Why are you listening to our podcast? The last two issues I've really enjoyed, so... They've been really good. Yeah. Honestly, they've been really so. good. What was your number one pick of all of them? Wow. Um, I'll bring it back up for a second. Yeah, it, that's hard. It's... I'll go with mine first while you peruse these. Okay, what was yours? Vader and the Lost Command number five. That... Uh, it's that one... Or it could even be Cobra Number One. I know you like Snake Eyes a lot, too. and I liked Snake Eyes a lot. Um, I love the espionage thing of Cobra Number One, where you found out that Breaker was a is a, a member of the Coil. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Um, I have to, yeah, I have to go with Vader Number Five, though. It was, it was just, it was good. I expected the the Lady in White to survive. You know, I expected there to be a happy ending. <laughs> I kind of got a happy ending out of that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the good guys did win in the end. And no. that's a nice twist. I love that twist. So, um, And if you like that twist, guys, read All Hell Megatron. That's all I'll say. Yeah, because when you, when, you when you read all five issues of this, you feel like there's certain characters that are just going to make it till the end, and they don't. It's awesome. So, so yeah, it was, it was done. Definitely really, pick up really uh, well. Star Wars, Darth Vader, and the Lost Command. Yep. Well worth your money. All right. So now what we're going to do is we mentioned it last episode. We are going to start with the Marvel runs of G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Star Wars. Yay! And uh, we normally would do a retro review and call it the hyperspace review. Yeah. But this is going to be a long review that we're going to be doing for a long time. Yeah, we're just going to call this the Chuck's going to rub one out. (laughs) No, so, so we have a new title for this segment. Uh, because it's going to be an ongoing segment in, in future episodes, and it's going to be called so, the Kessel Run. So our podcasts are only going to be longer, right? <laughs> oh, this is the Kessel Run. This is going to be the Kessel Run because it's a long run. It's a long trip. It's going to be a the, long journey. So it's the whole run is what we're going to eventually we're do. Going to get done really quick, right? So uh, so let's go ahead and into the uh, Kessel Run. The Kessel Run. All right. So you want to start with GI Joe? Uh, or should we finish strong? <laughs> you finish, finish <laughs> strong with all of them. Alright, so we're going to go... This is going to be kind of like the mask where we go pretty much page by page with this stuff. Okay. And we're going to kind of point things out as we go along. So This is Marvel's G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, Hero, number one. Number one. From the 80s. Called Operation Lady Doomsday. Love it. So uh, what we have here is we have a bunch of military guys are escorting Dr. Adele mm-hmm. Burkhart. And she is actually the nation's top nuclear physicist, and she was the brains behind the Doomsday Project. Uh, and then she also she testifies; she's going to testify to the Congressional uh, Congress that she didn't know it was going to be used for as a weapon or whatever. So, uh, so she's got a lot of people looking to take her out. So there's a news crew there on this train. That's where they're having a press conference. Amtrak, yeah, Amtrak, and uh, also in Cobra busts in. And we see the Cobra troopers coming in on claws. Gliders, yeah. Yeah. One thing, was that called the claw? Well, the claw was the, the glider that had like boosters in it. These okay, these are like just gliders. gliders yeah. Okay. And then we have the Baroness here showing up with uh, Gregor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out the white-haired guy's name is Gregor. Now, here's a question I have for you, because you know the whole run, and I don't. Gregor's mentioned a couple times here. Do we yeah. ever see Gregor ever again? I, I think in another uh, issue early on, but after that, it's okay. not, he's not our main character. Okay. Any chance of imagination. I was just like, okay, are we getting introduced to a character that we'll never see again? Yeah. <laughs> so they actually take uh, Dr. Burkhart uh, hostage. 
And this is the old school Baroness where she's in the blue outfit yep. before she got into the black leather. So yep. you'll and see she's that wearing too. a skirt here. That's just part of the disguise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but they attach Dr. Burkhart to a, a balloon and a helicopter flies by and they pick him up. Yeah, so she's been kidnapped. Yep, so then we're back at, we're at the Pentagon now and we have uh, General Flag or the Colonel Flag or it's Flag. Yeah, <laughs> he's a general. General Flag. And he's like talking about what just happened and, and he's like, it's time to call on the Joes. They bring up all the dossiers of those Joes that they're going to bring in yeah. as part of a unit. So we have uh, we have them on screen here. It's going to be Hawk, Grand Slam, Short Fuse, Flash, Grunt, Breaker, Rock and Roll, Zap, Scarlet, Steeler, Clutch, Stalker, Snake Eyes, and Shooter. He never makes an appearance. Shooter never makes an appearance? Nice. That's the one that you're introduced to that did. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Uh, then we have uh, Abernathy's brought in. General Hawk. General Hawk. And he's wheeled in, and then he pulls right into the motor pool. Mm-hmm. And then he's lowered down below to the secret pit, which yeah, I assume it's the pit we know. Yeah, that's the okay. pit. It's the headquarters. He's driving a, or he's riding in a, at a vamp. Yep. And we see them all uh, practicing, practicing, their, testing you know, their different things, and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I did notice no snake eyes. We do see Scarlet, but we don't see it's snake not eyes here. Very prevalent in these yeah. issues. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um. So then we go to the debriefing where they explain that they're going to have to go to this island. To actually retrieve Dr. Burkhart. Right. And they show there's, there's a castle at the top and everything else. So They're going over their military strategy of how they're going yep. to attack it and how they're going to get the doctor out and go through the defenses. Yep. So. And they point out uh, Cobra Commander. and that there's Wearing the, the hood. Yes, wearing the hood. Not the metal mask. Yep. And we have the Baroness. And yep. they, you know, they say, you know, don't underestimate them. Then we actually see them. Head, uh, we actually see Cobra. On their island, and they have Dr. Burkhart there, and this one Cobra agent does a little Heil Hitler-type move. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, tell me it's not. <laughs> it's sort of, yeah. He's like, Cobra Commander. It's like, hail Scrooge. <laughs> hail President Scrooge. So, yeah, then all of a sudden the Joes arrive, and Cobra's ready for him, and Stalker flies in with his with jet, jet pack, pack yeah. and blasts their main big art- artillery guns. And he's still flying around shooting everything. Because that's how he rolls. That's how Stalker rolls. That's how Stalker rolls. You know, they report back that there's an attack and everything else. And Cobra Commander says that he's going to basically hold back his units. Mm-hmm. Because when they... Because they're going to... He says, they're going to expect me to send everybody out there. But I'm going to keep them actually in here. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have the surprise of their life, basically. Right. So, uh, one of the units, the Joe units, has to actually... Uh, breaker disable. and that they have to disable the power supply. Yeah. And that's Flash. Flash, okay. With his laser rifle, he shoots through the coax yep. cable, not damaging, just removing the outer wrappings, not damaging the cable yep. itself. Because they want control of the, the power source. They don't want to just take it out. Take it out, yeah. So, uh, Scarlet and Snake Eyes are going to sneak into the castle to actually retrieve Dr. Burkhart. So it's supposed to be a, a low-level you know, unit yeah. type thing. Uh, so then they... You know, uh, another unit actually goes and is going to take out the uh, airplanes at the airfield. And we have uh, basically this big hydrofoil ship. (laughs) Hydrofoil. (laughs) Well, tell me what that is. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's a boat that's kind of monitoring everything that's going on. It's got a tank on it. Yeah. Yeah. So they take out a bunch of the planes. It's it's basically they're bringing over the Joe's vehicles. So uh, Short Fuse blows them all up. 
Yep. And then we have Snake Eyes and Scarlet are inside now, and they're just sneaking by. Yeah, and if you notice this short fuse, he has glasses. Yep. Then we have the Joes decide, okay, now's the time. They bring the that hydrofoil ship up, and they have a tank on it, mm-hmm. a vamp on it, with an artillery gun behind that's, that's, that's yeah, pulling. Yeah. And then they have rock and roll on his uh, motorcycle with the machine gun, the big... Yeah, you know. that's called the uh, HAL, H-A-L. Okay. Uh and, and Rock and Roll's got the uh, the Ram motorcycle. Yeah, and he flies over the trenches, which I'm like, this guy'd be a dead guy on a motorcycle. <laughs> That's just how Rock and Roll is, baby. Right? He's Rock and Roll. I understand that. Clutch has got the vamp. He's shooting it up. And just you know. as all this is going on, Scarlet and Snake Eyes throw grenades into the generator room, knocking everything out. Uh, the Joes show up in a t- uh, in a fishing village that are they're trying to sneak onto the island, and they notice all the people there are dead. Mm-hmm. And this reminded me very much of, remember in the IDW run, where Chuckles blew up a fishing village? Yeah. And I was like, I wonder, I'm sure that's like an homage to this first issue. I don't think anything about that. There's two fishing villages and they both have dead people. (laughs) I think you're leaning way too much. I don't think I am. I honestly think that they did that because Cobra killed all of these people in a fishing village. That was a Japanese island in the middle of the sea. This is not that. It's still, they just said it's a fishing village. That's all they said. You're leaning way too much. I don't think so. It's like Cobra killed this fishing village. Cobra killed that fishing village. Cobra eats fish. Is that what you're saying? I guess. I think it's just an homage in the new continuity to the old continuity. Why not? It, it very well could be. I, I just <laughs> disagree with that statement with okay. every fiber of my being. I, I think you're wrong. So, we'll ask Robert next time we talk to him. He won't know that. He might. Might not. He might. He has contacts where he could find you out. You know who'll know that? Larry Hammer. <laughs> Get Larry on the phone. Why would Larry know that? Why would he not? Larry didn't write that story. Why would he not? Larry didn't write that Why story. Why would he not? Because Larry didn't write that story. I just said it Robert didn't times. write it. I know, but Robert might be able to Chuck contact... Chuck might write it. He might know it. No. Mike Costa or um, Christos Gage might know because they're the ones that were writing the Cobra book. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't know anything, dude. Chuck, you, sir, are an idiot. Shut up. <laughs> Fuck you. So. Anyway, back to, back to Marvel. So back to, Mar- Marvel. back to the Marvel run. So we have a helicopter that appears inside the Cobra base, and it's to get Dr. Burkhardt out of there. And the Joes are coming up with their, you know, their tanks and everything else. They're they're fast approaching. Uh, Snake Eyes and Scarlet get inside, but Cobra Commander now wearing his ma- uh, his silver mask. Yep. Not his hood anymore. Has Doctor Burkhart with the gun to, to her head. To her head. Yep. And she now is realizing that the military isn't just out there for the easy way out because she thought for sure that the military would just send a plane over to bomb the whole island, taking her out eliminating the problem altogether and here she realized oh you guys are actually here to save to try to save me so she actually steps in the way of of cobra commander uh she actually gets shot i think in the arm the left arm shoulder yeah and then uh scarlet taking the opportunity picks one of her stars off of her glove which is actually a shuriken and throws it at cobra commander's arm knocking the gun out of his hand the other shuriken yeah throwing star that's what they're called okay they're called shurikens Sure, I can do it. <laughs> so uh, the all the other Joes come in and they see Scarlet and Doctor Burkhart and Snake Eyes and everything else, and they realize all of a sudden that Cobra Commander just escaped in the helicopter. Why you wouldn't shoot up at it, I don't know. 
Uh, but made for a short series. <laughs> so then they realize that there's an explosive in there, so they actually get out just in the nick of time. And the but castle, of course, they the do. castle blows up. It's like when in the cartoon when they get shot. That's at exactly. They, I was going to say this is episode is such a cartoon. It's yeah, so good. And then uh, you mentioned before about how each of each of the guys mentioned their vehicle getting blown up, and their yeah. that's the vehicles that go with that figure. Yes, yeah, Steelers like all oh, my tank and clutches, my Jeep and rock and roll is my motorcycle for the Ram, and he's actually pictured on the art on the Ram box that the toy came in. Yep. So they rescue Dr. Burkhart. Again, she's feeling a lot better about, you know, how she felt about the government and everything else. And that's basically the end of it. Uh, yeah. It's the end, happy ending. It's a pretty nice self-contained story. So. Yeah. Um, but that's just the beginning, folks. Yep, so. that's number one. So that was number one. All right. So now going into, well, I'm going to say that. Yeah, let's go last. do Transformers. Let's, let's do Transformers. This one was a very difficult one to get through. True. Transformers number one is a wordy bitch. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, um, one thing I found out in the trade I have, I have the trade that came out before IDW got a hold of the Transformers and started releasing the trades, was, and this kind of goes back to something I mentioned to you with the Real American Hero, where they're constantly mentioning characters' names and stuff like that. The old Marvel run, uh, Marvel required... Uh, them to actually mention character names in there. So right. Because the comic book was another vehicle to sell their toys. Sell the toys. So the connection was that Marvel required them to constantly mention characters' names and what they were known for. So that's why sometimes, especially in the old Marvel runs, you would get quirky dialogue of like, hey, I'm rock and roll, I'm you know heavy artillery type guy, whatever. You know, He would say something like that when you're like, why is he saying that? Yeah. So it was it was a requirement from the editors, which in turn was a requirement, I'm sure, from Kenner. Kenner, Hasbro. Hasbro yeah. and all that. So, All right, so with Transformers, we have Cybertron, and they go into the whole history of who the Transformers were. And they were basically just robots that really didn't transform. They were just... A, <coughs> they had a utopia, too. Yeah. They, they were all peaceful and everything else. And then the Decept- until. until the Decepticons showed up. And right away, we have Megatron standing there with... Uh, Soundwave, and he's got Ravage next to him, and Ravage talks. Yeah, how about that? I was like, huh, mm. okay. Uh, Laser beam, a talking, a talking dog. <laughs> yeah, how about that? So um, I'll be damned. So they learn actually on the ability to transform. They rework their whole body so they could transform into ships and everything else, and they start attacking the Autobots. Uh, the Autobots then learn to make themselves able to transform. Uh, so then there's a battle that goes on for the ages and everything else, and the battle is so intense that it actually knocks Cybertron out of its orbit, of its orbit and yeah. it's traveling now throughout the different throughout the universe. Well, they happen to come across an, a huge asteroid belt, which, because of where they end up, I assume is going to be the Milky Way galaxy asteroid belt because they get near Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so Prime and, a, and some select Autobots get into the ship called the Ark, and they're going to fly in front of Cybertron and blast the asteroids, clearing a path so this way their planet can survive. Megatron takes this as an opportunity because Ravage was spying on them to know the whole plan. He takes this as an opportunity to get rid of his main adversary, which is Optimus Prime. Prime. And he's the big leader that's keeping this fight you know, from going Megatron's way. So, much like the cartoon, they do board board the Ark. There's a big battle that, that occurs. And 
Optimus Prime basically has to crash land on a, a planet, planet yeah. that has no life on it. Uh, four million years later, there's a whole eruption that occurs. A volcano. Yeah. yeah. And that was one thing I mentioned to you also with this. is it, I found it kind of interesting that they said, oh, like four million years later... And they were saying there was no life. And it's like, well, there was life more than four million years ago. It's like, you have to go really far to find no life on Earth. Um, it just wasn't human life. Maybe that's what they meant. They didn't say that. So That's what I'm assuming. <laughs> so the, there's the, the eruption that occurs, which awakens a probe. the, the, the uh, computer. And the, the computer sends out a, uh, sat, a satellite, which then Takes starts, images, starts yeah. taking images. And I found this interesting. It didn't do it to disguise the Transformers so much as it did it to make them look like the what the, it thought was the inhabitants of the planet. Right. Because it thought that the inhabitants were all the mechanical devices like vehicles and televisions and boom Planes boxes and, and all cars, that type yeah. of stuff. So it started scanning all that thinking that this was the inhabitants of the planet. But it, I mean, it also scanned like a, a wild animal, like a deer. No, well, yeah, but it didn't. It no, it just passed that by. It didn't even notice it. It says the forest teeming with countless life forms appear literally dead to the drone. Okay. So it didn't even notice the deer or anything like that. It, you sure you read this issue? I did. Okay, <laughs> it took forever. I know it did. <laughs> it was like reading a book book. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, because its computers were messed up, it it couldn't decipher between Autobots and Decepticons. So it just started manipulating all of them and fixing all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then they awaken, and what it did is it, it transformed all or changed all of the Decepticons into uh, aerial vehicles and weapons and stuff like that, and tra- and changed all the Autobots into land vehicles. So because they're in a weakened state, Megatron says they shouldn't try to fight the Autobots now. Let's leave, and we'll come back stronger and fight another day. We need to explore this planet. They do a whole roll call with the with the Decepticons, yeah. and then they do a whole roll call with the Autobots, and you find out who everyone yeah, is, everybody is, and what they're known for. A couple yeah. things that cracked me up was one: Brawn sounded like freaking Grimlock. Me Brawn, me he strong. Goes, huh? Brawn don't need any gas to rip things up. Nobody's stronger than me. <laughs> one punch in your building, or Decepticon goes bye bye. So, and then the other one that I loved was I think it was. Uh, yeah, Cliff Jumper. He has a glass gas gun, uh, gun, and I didn't know what the hell that was. Later on, they kind of describe what it is. Basically, he shoots something, and it becomes so brittle that it's like glass. And I'm like, okay. Um, so we get a whole rundown here. Gears speaking a third person. Yeah, and here's the thing. And Gears is also uh, typical Gears where he's or was it Gears or was it Huffer? That's Gears. Um, I know, but one of them was like nervous. Like he uh, didn't he didn't like what was going on. And I think that was actually um, Gears because Gears was like that in the cartoon too, where he was just like he was always kind of edgy and stuff. Or that may have been Huffer. Yeah, I, don't I think can't I remember. Gears. Yeah. Um, I think it was Huffer that was kind of like edgy and everything else. But the, here's the thing I found really interesting: Ironhide and Ratchet look just like the cartoon version, or not the cartoon version, the, the toy. toy version, and not the cartoon version. They look just like the toy. Which sucked. Which sucked. <laughs> now, if you look at Braun, too, he looks like the toy. Yeah. He doesn't look like the other yep. Braun. A lot of them look again. just like the toy. Because, again, yep. they were trying to sell the toys. Right. So, I'm assuming and I'm hoping that changes later. Now we get into, uh, they're going to go, they start watching television screens and they start taking in all the sights of this new planet from the computer. 
Uh, now is when it got a little bit easier to read, is when Buster Witwicky appears. Buster? Yeah, it's not Sam. Buster? It's Buster. Buster? Um, Buster comes home after school, and his dad has a mechanic shop, and it, and this is the part that cracked me up. His dad actually says, like, I don't want you, like, studying so much. You need to learn a trade, because you need to get a job later. Yeah. So it's, like, very 80s, I guess, of, like... You need to learn how to be a mechanic or something like that. Something that's going to give you a job. Why you fall back on it when you get out of school why read, and make money? Yeah, why read books? <laughs> that don't get you nowhere. That doesn't get you anywhere. So I found that kind of interesting that that was like the mentality back then. Like that you you went with a trade because yeah. that, that's going to give you a job. Yeah. So um, so he drives off to go have fun with his friends. He didn't want his kid to have his head in the clouds reading about you know stories and books when he could be learning something that could yeah. be useful. Right. It was just worded kind of funny, where it made yeah. made it seem like books are evil are not going to teach you anything you can use later. So we see the Autobots decide to venture out, and they come across a uh, drive-in theater. Yeah, and they're like, "Is this like some religious cult? What's going on?" They're all looking at this big screen, yeah. and they still think the vehicles are the inhabitants of this planet. So while they're there, Laserbeak happens to fly by and notice notice them and everything else. We see Buster. Yeah. Is making out with his girlfriend yeah. with, his, with his buddy in the back seat. Hail to the yeah, which, three-way. Which cracked me up because... No, I don't want that kind of three-way. <laughs> it cracked me up that his, I'm, like, I'm like, he's just totally making out and your buddy's sitting in the back. Like, You've never done that? No. Really? No. Wow. No PDA, huh? I'm not big on PDA. I love it. So, uh, I absolutely hate PDA. Really? I mean, like a quick kiss or something like that. I'm fine really? with her holding hands or a oh, hug. Shit. But like making out in public? No. Yeah. No. No, no I don't need that. Sex, no fornication. No, I don't yeah, need that. Yeah. We differ on that. Too. I definitely don't want to see it. Why so. not? Because I don't need that. Really? I did. Yeah. I you would like, like walk up and get a guy high five or something? No. Okay, no. No. Really? No. Yeah, I would. So, uh, yeah. so Bumblebee bump ends up uh, trying to bump the vehicle in front of him to make contact, and Buster comes out and is like, "Oh, something must have happened. There's no driver here," and you know, I don't know if this just this vehicle just kind of lost its brakes or what, and it right. rolled into my car. Next thing we see is all the jet, the Decepticon jets come in, and they start shooting, shooting at the Autobots. Yeah. Autobots find no choice but to transform into their robot forms. Now is when the Autobots realize that the humans are actually the life forms on this planet. Not the cars. And not the cars. So they determine they have to, to protect all of them. So there's a big battle between all of them. And we see the Autobots actually drive away because they realize, you know what, we're endangering all these humans, the humans by being yeah. here, so let's get out of here. And hey, where's Bumblebee? Well, here, Buster actually drove Bumblebee away, and Bumblebee's kind of like driving himself, and and Buster is just kind of steering him. And all of a sudden, he's in the mechanic shop in the back of his dad's house. His dad comes out going, what's all this noise? And all of a sudden he realizes, hey, Buster, I see you're taking me up on uh, learning learning a yeah. trade and learning how to be a mechanic. And, hey, if you want to do some business on the side, that's totally fine. And he's like, Dad, that's not what you think. He's like, you know, I, I need to try to fix this car, only it's it's not a car. And he's like, what are you talking about? What do you think it is? And he goes, I think it's, it's, I think it's alive. And then Bumblebee says, help me, please, I'm dying. And the yeah. issue ends there. And, and the next one is like, hey, buddy, can you spare some fuel? <laughs> so so I, I, it was a good issue. I liked how it was very different from the cartoon. It had yeah, a lot from of... the other original origin yeah. story that we knew. Yep. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have Star Wars. Number one. Number one. 
And this pretty much follows the movie. There are parts that are different. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure what it was is they probably got a script, because this came out in July. Right, before the movie. Before the, Well, not the July before the movie. It actually came, I think it came out the July right after the movie was released. So the movie came out in May. So it would have been two months later, but they yeah. would have had already started, started production, production on this. production on it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think they started writing the comic... Before the movie. Before the movie. Yeah. Right. So, they, yeah. so it says adapted from the George Lucas film. So I'm sure they were given a script. And we have Roy Thomas was the scripter and editor. Howard Chaikin, who we normally don't like, or at least I don't usually like his art. Yeah. But in this old stuff, it's really good. Yeah. This is the Howard Chaikin I liked. It was back in the day. Back in the day. Yes. So we have the, the Star Destroyer uh, shooting at the blockade runner. And Typical. Yep. And we have, you know, uh, basically Luke is actually looking up. And this was actually a scene that was deleted from from the movie where Luke's looking up and he sees that there's a battle going on uh, with his binoculars and everything. Uh, Yep. Vader does his whole, you know, choking the guy, holding him up. And C-3PO does his typical looking for R2 and R2's with Princess Leia, giving Giving him the message. message, And they climb into the escape pod. And then this is the part I love. (coughs) Uh, Leia notices the stormtroopers, and, and the stormtrooper, just like in the movie, says, there's one of them, set weapons for stun. And then Leia says, I've set mine for kill, and she blasts the thing. And I'm yeah. like, I'm wondering if that was in the original script that she was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, but then she gets shot, and she falls She gets down. shot and falls. Typical. And then we go to uh, Anchorhead, City of Anchorhead. This where was cut, too. This was cut from the movie. Uh, I do remember seeing video of this. Yeah. And it's basically Luke running up to his friends and saying, like, I just saw this battle going on. And his buddy Biggs is telling him, like, look, it, it, you're probably seeing things. You're seeing things you want to see. Like, I don't give me those binoculars. I don't see anything. Um, and then he's saying how he's going to the academy and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you'll be able to join me one day and everything. So then we see, you know, Leia, you know, saying that she's on a diplomatic mission. You know, typical from the movie. Right. Now, here's where it did vary from the movie also. We have R2 and 3PO. They don't have their typical argument. I mean, they have an argument with each other, but they don't have their typical parting of ways where they go for a long time away yeah. from each other. R2 just left C-3PO before he's taken by the Jawas. Mm-hmm. And that's when C-3PO's like, R2? R2? Yeah, where are you, buddy? Where are you? And uh, so then we see Biggs again talking to, to Luke, which was, like I said, it's kind of cool to see this because it's like it makes you wonder, like, was there particular reasons yeah, it was deleted it and out, what was yeah. going on? Uh, we have the whole discussion about how great the Death Star is and the guy getting choked because he doesn't know the he ultimate power, the power of the Force. Power of the force. Uh, we have Luke coming across the R2 unit, has a bad motivator. Yeah, the Jawas are trying to summon yep. some bad converters or yep. something like that. Uh, oh, he hello, get- this R2 unit's got a bad converter. Yep. And then he's like, uh, he comes across the message from R2. While cleaning it. While cleaning them. And he's like, who's this girl? She's hot. She's your sister. I'm going to rub one out. He goes back to um, his Uncle Uncle Owen. Owen And Uncle Owen gets really pissed in this issue. Like, he's just like, in the movie, he's just kind of like, I said, that's enough. That's but enough. here, it, wipe its mind. It's ours. Here he freaking snaps. Yeah, yeah. he gets slapped around. <laughs> no, <laughs> he screams at him. Yeah. So then he goes back and finds C three PO, and and of course he finds out that R two ran off. Ran off. Yeah. And so then he goes, and uh, we find the stormtroopers that are like, "Look, sir, droids, <laughs> droid." <laughs> and then <laughs> classic. You should insert that here. Someone was in the pod. The tracks go off in this direction. 
Look, sir, droids. And then Luke is uh, out with the uh, out, you know, looking for R two, and the Tuscan Raiders yeah, notice some. Yeah, and uh, he goes, "Come on, let's go look, see what's going on with the Tuscan Raiders." And he's like, "Oh, there are two Banthas down there, but I don't see. Oh, wait, there's Sand People right now." But you and know, there's where's... a little bit of fight between him and. Uh... Yeah, there's a little bit more fight than than what we saw in the movie. Right. Right. Uh, he does get knocked backwards a bit, and C-3PO gets knocked over the ledge. Uh-huh. But he, at the end of this issue, Luke is still kind of like on his knees fighting back the, the gaffy stick. Yeah, he don't know so, if he's going to live or die to yep. be continued. So that's the end of issue one was the fight with the Sand People. Yeah. So a little bit more of a battle with the Sand People. Now, one thing that's interesting with the Sand People also was um, I remember I talked to Tim Truman at Super Show, mm-hmm. and he wrote a lot of the Star Wars issues that came out from... Uh, Dark Horse, that was like the 80 issue run that was originally called uh, Star Wars and it eventually was called Star Wars Republic. Okay. Um, he did a story called Outlander. He wrote a lot of the stories, but I had him sign the issue called Outlander, which had uh, Asharad Het, Het uh, in there. He was like a Jedi Sand People guy. Um, he said that that was the first time that George Lucas allowed someone to touch the Sand People in their culture. To touch the Sand People? Well, like as characters. Show me on the dolly <laughs> where the bad man touched you. They were not allowed to be further explained and or anything explored, like that. Yeah. Explored, Until Tim Truman had a talk with him and he says... Because he says, I did a lot of studies of different cultures and here's what I want to base it on. And George was like, go ahead and do it. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's probably nobody had a good idea until yeah. this one. So. Yeah. So, so that's the first issue of each one. Yeah. So tell us what you guys think, what you guys remember of those first issues. Maybe you go back and read them and maybe notice things we didn't notice. Yeah. I you have, can definitely get them in second printings. Yeah, printings, easily. Printings. Uh, one thing I didn't get to do for this issue, maybe or this episode, maybe I'll do it next episode, is I have the original Star Wars number one mm-hmm. issue. Maybe I'll look through that and see what ads were coming out then and all that type yeah, of okay. stuff, and I'll mention that next time. But, uh, but yeah, so each episode where we cover issues, we're going to cover one issue of each of these properties. Cool. Transformers was the toughest one to get through. Word. That took me three days to get through. Yeah, it's very, because very I would, wordy. And it's not because I'm a slow reader in general, but like it was something where I would read three, four pages and I had to put it down for a little bit because yeah. it was just really wordy. It would take me like a half hour to get through three, four pages. <laughs> but the same thing with those mask books as I read all four of those mask books. Yeah. Very wordy yeah. books. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad story. It was no, just, there, just it needed more editing. Yeah. And I'm sure there was also because of some of the requirements that they had to do of things they had to do. Draw every character and insert who they are. Give right. a bio. Yeah. And stuff like that. Now, the Transformers number one issue, I did not care for, care for the art at all. No, I didn't either. I didn't like the coloring. I didn't like the art. The art in Star Wars, I liked. The art in G.I. Joe, I liked. Yeah, for better than the other um, The coloring in probably all three. Now, you're going to get different coloring because you're looking in the trades as opposed to the issues. Sure. But, I, I have the issue of G.I. Joe. It doesn't look like that. Yeah. So. But, again, coloring wasn't the best back then either. No. And so it is. There's a lot more it? There's a lot more now you can do that you couldn't do back then. Right. And, again, we're looking at G.I. Joe. That was, what, 82-ish? Yeah. Star Wars was 77. Yeah. I mean, they've come a long way. Yeah. So, I'm not going to badmouth the color. No, I'm not either. I'm just saying, I'm just noticing things and how it's different from now. Oh, yeah, it's a lot different. So, um, I mean, that was actually printed on paper. Yeah, and even the art even art has improved drastically. Look at the paper it was printed on. I mean, yeah. they're all printed on paper. It was on so newspaper. Yeah. yeah. So, 
But uh, but yeah, it's like even the art has improved drastically from the eighties, late seventies, and early eighties to oh, yeah. now. Sure, so, sure. But yeah, the, I think by far a lot, a lot of stuff's digital now, yeah. as opposed to just hand drawing everything. So. By far, out of the three of them, the one I enjoyed reading the most was the GI Joe. GI Joe. Yeah. Um, because Star Wars was pretty much like the movie. I found it interesting some of the changes that were in there, yeah, some of the subtle changes. Um, but I enjoyed reading GI Joe the most. The one that I enjoyed reading the least was the Transformers one, and the Me one too. that I felt that had the worst art was the Transformers one. Um, now, I would agree with it. Now, Transformers was supposed to be just a one part one of a four issue limited series, and it sold so well that it became an ongoing series. Mm-hmm. In fact, the last issue of Transformers actually says on the cover number eighty of a four issue limited series. Nice. <laughs> so I thought that's a nice little thing. All right, so for our episode 30, we were lucky enough to actually get an interview set up here for you guys, and we were actually able to contact Mike Costa, so we're going to go ahead and bring him on the line here and uh, have a little talk with him and and see what we could find out from him about the upcoming Chaos event from Transformers, the G.I. Joe Civil War, since he's working on Cobra, and uh, also talk about his upcoming book, Blackhawks, from the DC Comics relaunch. So let's go ahead and get him on the line here. Yeah. All right, so on the line with us we have uh, writer Mike Costa, the writer of the current Cobra book, the current Transformers book, and the soon-to-be-released Blackhawks book from DC. So uh, how's it going, Mike? Going pretty good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for being on. Now, uh, I was very excited because one of our listeners uh, ran into you at, like, I believe it was a comic signing or a book signing, and uh-huh. he mentioned the show to you. Uh, his name was Chris. I'm sure you don't remember him, but uh, <laughs> he started out. I just, I just have so many fans. Right. Just <laughs> a face in the crowd. Man. Right. So I guess he, he had told you about our show and said, you know, hey, would you mind if the guys contacted you to, to have you on the show? And I, he said that you seemed pretty excited about the idea of it, so then he let me know, and I contacted you through uh, Facebook. And, uh, and it kind of went, and then the rest was history. So uh, so we're very appreciative to have you on the show. Um, we thought we'd talk to you a little bit about, obviously, the books that we cover, kind of what you have coming up, some of your history and everything else. But uh, the the big thing, the first thing I wanted to say was, I told Chuck, I'm going to, I think I'm going to refer to you as if I had to give you like a nickname or something like that, I think I would call you like major impact Okay. because you were on the GI Joe book that killed Cobra commander. Mm-hmm. You're on the transformers book. That's about to have a major event with chaos. And now you're part of the whole DC relaunch. Yes. Does that, well, yes. a small part, <laughs> Does a tiny part. Yeah. But, but still a part of it. Um, One of 52. Yes. Now, do you ever have a moment where you take a step back and and go, holy shit, I can't believe what I'm working on? You know, I did for, I still do, yeah, with especially with Transformers. Because um, with G.I. Joe, uh, I mean, this is going to sound kind of really arrogant, but I, I, I really feel like Cobra is mine. Like, I, I came up with, you know, that take on it, and since we were starting from, um, you know, from a total reboot, um, I didn't have to worry about previous continuity, and it, and it's very much my take on GI Joe, and it's you know, so I feel like that belongs to me. Like I made, like I created that. Whereas with Transformers, I feel like I'm part of this larger sort of. Even though the IDW continuity has only been around for about five years, I still feel 
more like, wow, I'm writing these characters, yeah. you know, these that I grew up loving. Also, I grew up as a much bigger fan of Transformers than G.I. Joe. Okay. I have I have a younger brother, and he was the, he, always into G.I. Joe, and I was way into Transformers, so he would get all the Joe toys, and I would get all the Transformers toys. But I remember, <laughs> when I was a kid, I always thought G.I. Joe was dumb, because they were people, and they were shooting lasers at each other, and nobody ever got hit, and I thought that was stupid and unrealistic, whereas gigantic robots from outer space... That made that. That's like well, that's that's clearly more realistic. Yeah, that seems to make more sense. Yeah, yeah. They actually hit each other with the laser fire because yes. you know a robot can get shot with a laser and not die. Right. So yeah. That that I, that was <laughs> so, the funny thing with with the cartoon for uh, GI Joe was it, and it's always the running gag that just as the shot would hit the plane or the tank or something like that, the person would get out at the last second. Right. Have you guys seen that video? Of uh, of Alpine talking, it's like some dude pretending to be Alpine being interviewed. No, and it's it's really good. It's like someone's interviewing him, and, and he's talking about the battle. He's like, oh yeah, it was it was intense, man. It was land and air warfare. Uh, we fought for for you know three days, zero casualties. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, you know, I shot down a couple uh, Cobra bubbles, but. Uh, you know, you always see those uh, those parachutes at the last minute. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I saw where people did the YouTube uh, public service announcements where they redubbed their voices onto those. Yes, those I remember those funny. from a couple years ago. Those are good, yeah. Now, one of the things that we've loved that has had a spinoff when it comes to the G.I. Joe stuff, have you seen at all the action figure therapies? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. You've got to check that out. Yeah. That is hilarious. Just just Google action figure therapy. It's a bunch of videos where they take the old classic G.I. Joe figures from the 80s, and they can't call them by their name. Like, they have Rakondo, but they call him, what, Jungle? Jungle Recon. Jungle Recon. <laughs> okay. And he, it's like he's – and it's just the figure, but there's somebody talking as if he's, like, in a therapy room, and he's and they'll be like, you like your job? Fuck yeah, I like my job. I get to shoot people every day. They were like, you want a job shooting people every day? I said, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> it's funny as hell. Every one of the little G.I. Joe characters, the figures, they have their own little personalities. So they, mm-hmm. they use, like, uh, I believe their Snake Eyes is used, Iceberg, Dr. Mindbender, Raptor. Uh, so Snake Eyes speaks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, the one thing I... I yeah, he makes a joke about that, too. He goes, yeah, I can talk. I just got <laughs> nothing to say. <laughs> it's funny. You just got actionfiguretherapy.com. It's on YouTube. It's funny, funny. Yeah. Now, before we get into the books and kind of delve into uh, you, your work on them and everything else, how did you first get involved in comics, or what made you finally made you realize, hey, I can make a living doing comics? Well, I realized I can make a living doing doing comics when I actually finally started doing. I mean, I guess I always knew that people did make a living writing comics, but. You know, uh, well, I'll st- I came from a, um, my dad was a big comic book collector. Okay. Uh, from when he was a kid. So by the time I came around, um, he had about 40,000 comics. Wow. Mostly Marvel. He was mostly a Marvel zombie. Okay. Um, so I read a lot of comics growing up. I was a huge comic book fan. I remember I really got into them. I don't know quite how old you guys are. I'm guessing you're around my, I'm 30. I'm guessing you're around my age. Yeah, um, I'm 35. Chuck's 36. So. Okay. So you got a couple of years on me, but you must then you probably remember even better than I do um, when Marvel. If you guys were into comics when you were younger, uh, the first set of trading cards that Marvel put out. Oh yeah. Uh, when those came out, my dad, you know, and he did this for the subsequent uh, trading cards as well. All the different Marvel sets plus the several X Men sets yep. plus like the Hildebrand sets and everything. So 
he would would go to the comic store and he would buy the boxes that they came in. You know, yeah, like a whole box of the like, packs, yeah. Right, and then go through them all to try and assemble a full set. And then we eventually did, you know, after doing this many times. But I would help him. I'd help him sort through the cards. And that's when I first really got into um, superhero comics. Because before then, I was reading Transformers comics and I was, I was reading... The Madballs comics. That yeah, came I used out. to read those. Those are funny. Because <laughs> I love Madballs. Right. Um, but like when those cards came out, it was probably, I don't know, 88 or 89. Yep. I've never actually checked the year. Um, but like seeing and then being able to read the back of those cards and being like, wow, this is so cool. But then I could go down to the basement and actually read the issues that these things happened yep. in because he had them all. So nice, that was nice. sort of like my library for a really long time. So I've been in comics all my life. Yeah, I did. Then I, I did almost the exact same thing your dad did, where I rode my bike up to the local comic shop, and I would cut grass as like you know eleven, twelve year old, and make money, and then I would accumulate enough that I could buy a whole box of those card sets. And I did the exact same thing where I got the subsequent boxes and everything else, and I would try to accumulate a whole set. And same thing. That's what got me really heavily into comic book characters and and all that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, and I've tried to, I mean, I made my own comics. I, I, when I was a kid, when I was really young, before I was reading comics, um, I wanted to be like a cartoonist because I, I loved Garfield. I loved Jim Davis and I loved the Sunday Funnies and stuff. So That's I did a lot of stuff yeah. like, I did a lot of stuff like that. And then um, when I got into comic books, I really focused on that and I started, you know, I was drawing. I drew a lot and I was always the kid in school who would draw. But eventually I fell away from that and just focused mostly on writing. And um, by the time I was in my later years of high school, I'm from Detroit, so there was there was a big convention in Detroit called the Motor City Comic Con. Oh yeah, which you know back in the '90s was actually a serious convention. It was it was the third biggest behind San Diego and Chicago, and they'd have it twice a year. They'd have it in October, and then they'd have it in March. They eventually moved it to May for some reason. But so I'd go every single time since in, since I was in fifth grade. I went to every single Motor City Comic Con until I went away to college. And I would meet editors, and I would talk to creators, and I was building, like, a portfolio. I really wanted to break in. So I never really stopped doing that. And the, the way that I eventually did break in was um, I moved out here to Los Angeles after I finished college. And I was working um, in uh, for a production company, and my boss, I was working in development. I don't know. I never, I've, I've lived out here so long, I don't know what, you know, sort of industry jargon is known and what is <laughs> okay. so surrounded by it, but... I was working in development, which is essentially like working for a producer. Okay. And my boss, uh, I mean, it is exactly working for a yeah. and, uh, and my boss wanted me to find out um, who originally owned the rights to this Humanoids book. And I knew that DC published Humanoids in America at the time, so I called DC Comics. And this was, I guess, four years ago. And even, four, even in four years, things have changed completely. Mm-hmm. Because four years ago, you could still call DC Comics and get someone on the phone who was important. Not get their assistant, but get actually them. Right. They would answer their own phones, and then someone calling from Hollywood was still, like, an awesome a, big deal. A big deal, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, like, people talked to me, even though I really didn't have any power. They didn't know that. Nice. So I, I chatted up a guy named John Knee, who um, had just recently been promoted at the time. He used to run Wildstorm, and then they sort of promoted him up into D.C. corporate. And... Uh, I had started talking to him, and we had these long... At the end of the conversation where I got what I wanted, I just said, I just want you guys to know I'm, I'm loving 52, because 52 was coming out at the time, and I really did think it was great. Yeah. And he was like, oh, man, you read comics? And it, like, blew his mind that someone <laughs> from Hollywood read comics, you know? 
so we got to chatting and um, he asked if I wanted, you know, he's like, I told him I wanted to write for comics. And he said, well, you know, I used to work at Wildstorm, you know, send me some stuff. So I sent him a couple um, proposals for Wildstorm characters. He passed them down to uh, the two big editors down there, Ben Abernathy and Scott Peterson. And uh, they both got rejected, but they liked them very much. So I, I got in touch with Scott and he said, well, why don't you send me something for Jack Hawksmore? And I did. And then it got, you know, that got that was my first work. They 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 approved it and I wrote it. So that was that's basically how I broke in. So after I broke in, I didn't have new work for almost a whole year. Okay. Oh wow! <clears throat> and that was a very harrowing time because I realized that I had, I had spent you know 15 years or maybe not that long because at the time I was I guess 26 or seven, so hadn't been 15 years, but it had been at least 10 years trying to break into the industry. So I knew everything there is to know about how you break in, you know, who do you talk to? How do you present yourself? What do you need to show people? But I didn't know anything about how to stay in. <laughs> so I, you know, cause I'm thinking like, well, do I, do I just cold email people the way that I did before? Or does the fact that I'm already published, would that make me look like I don't know what I'm doing? And like, it was really, really nerve wracking. And I was really worried that I would never do another comic again, because, you know, I had these fantasies that Hawksmore, you know, I didn't think it was going to be like a big, huge selling book that was going to be nominated for Eisner's, but but I did believe that people were going to read it and were going to like it and were going to want to work with me, but it didn't really happen. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, people did read it, and I think people did like it, and I got some good reviews, and Hannibal Taboo over at uh, the Bipile really dug it, and I was, and the and like Silver Bullet Comics gave it good reviews. I knew, I Google myself all the time once the issues came out, so I've read every review of of Hawksmore. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and actually here's a little anecdote that you guys might think is cute. Um, so I went to, uh, I went to the New York convention for the first time ever, uh, that year, which I guess was, um, 2008. Cause uh, I got hired to do Hawksmore in the summer of 2007. I actually went down to comic con and met with Scott Peterson in person to talk about it. And then like a month later it got approved. Um, so, the first issue came out in March of 2008. It actually came out on my brother's birthday, so I will always remember the date. Um, and so I went to Com – and, and Comic-Con in New York was in uh, April that, uh, back then. So I was like, well, I really should go. You know, it's going to cost a lot of money, but I'm a professional now, and I have to do you know, things for my career, and I really should go to New York. So I go to New York. Exactly one issue of Hawksmore is out, and DC's like – you, you want to do a signing? And I'm like, I, I don't really know if anyone's going to come here with their one issue of Jack Hawksmore <laughs> and want my, you know, no one's going to want my signature, but they set up a signing anyway. It was weird. But as, as I was walking around, you know, I had my name tag, like a badge on with my name and um, an assistant editor at Marvel, who's actually now a full editor. Her name is Lauren Sankovich. She saw me when I walked past the Marvel booth, she saw my name tag and she went, Oh, are you the Mike Costa that wrote Hawksmore? And I was like, Shazam! That's it. I'm in. Like I knew it. Like of course, of course they know who I yeah. am because they love me, and that's that. That's just the yeah. bullet train to the top now. Yeah. And uh, and that never led to anything. Uh -huh. But like in that moment, <laughs> it was like all of my dreams had come true. Yeah. So that's yeah. Nice. It took. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice moment. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it took a whole other year for me to get hired again. Even at, at Wildstorm, where they liked me and I'd worked with them, they they didn't really have any work. Um, and then directly after I got my like. A month after I got my second job is when Andy hired me to do um, Cobra. Okay. Okay. So that's Andy Schmidt, the editor of yeah, uh, G.I. Joe. We actually got to meet him at uh, Super Show uh, done by the Comic Geek Speak guys. Oh, okay. Um, and, yeah, real nice guy. Um, 
he I remember I was actually talking with him when it came to Transformers and you can you can confirm this or deny it if you if you'd like but what he said basically was it pretty similar to what you were saying where GI Joe was fun because he got to get in at the ground level starting it from the beginning where Transformers mm-hmm. when he got involved with it was kind of this it was good but it was kind of a big mess that he had you know himself and the creators had to kind of work out okay where are we going from here with this yeah i i mean i wasn't there right when he took over one of the first things he did when he took over was was actually come up with the idea of doing an ongoing and then hiring me to do it um and the only reason the only way that he was able to do that is because hasbro really liked me because they really really liked cobra okay so um yeah so like it was it was interesting because i had never written for transformers before and transformers fans are notoriously like prickly and clannish, and they don't really read other comic books. They only sort of read Transformers comics, so they're not familiar with sort of uh, other comic book writers or, or or even like comic book vocabulary very much. Right. They just sort of are stuck with what's going on in Transformers. And the Transformers property at IDW, I think, went through like three editors in the five years that they had it, and um, they had just. Um, that like six months before they brought Andy on, they had just done a huge shift and started the All Hell Megatron storyline, right? Right. Which was, which was really controversial because you know they had Simon Furman, who's like the godfather of Transformers, writing it for four years, right? And then you know I don't know what the situation was because I wasn't there and also Andy wasn't there, but the story is that they basically you know, the sales were flagging and they went to Simon and they were like, listen, man. You're gonna have to wrap up everything you're doing because we're gonna do a, a big relaunch on this, and uh, and they kind of made him like quickly wrap up all of his myriad Clis Claremontian subplots, you know. Yeah. And, and the fans were really unhappy, and then they launch um, All Hell Megatron with a brand new writer, and it kind of made a lot of continuity errors, and the fans it was really divisive, and and then so that that didn't they didn't see that as being particularly successful, so they wanted to sort of start again with another soft relaunch and. Yeah, I, I can see that being a real mess for uh, an editor to deal with. It was a mess for me as a writer to deal with because yeah. I hadn't really read any of this stuff. I had to abs- read it all and absorb it. And try to figure just, out how to piece it all together. Yeah, in just a, a couple months. And it's uh, it's tough because Simon really likes to write a lot of words on the page. Yeah. And it's 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 dense. and It's a lot to absorb. Yeah, I um, I have the, the IDW collections, uh, the hardbounds that they came out with, yeah. which are beautiful. But when they were coming out with it, I remember I picked up, I think, Infiltration, which was the very first one in issues. Yeah. And then I kind of stopped after that. And then I didn't pick it up again until All Hail Megatron, which I thought was fantastic. But I didn't have all the continuity in between to kind of deal with as far as messing with my mind and all that. So right. so I got to enjoy it. Um, yeah, that's where I jumped on the Transformers again, I'm taking a a hiatus from the old 80s Transformer run when I jumped back on to All Hell Megatron. I really enjoyed that, too. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people did. I mean, that was their big re- their, their big thing was to bring in new readers, and, and they made it... I mean, they hired Guido Guidi, and Guido was drawing much more cartoon sort of style, and it just had much more of an animated series vibe. Right. Which the hardcore fans, a lot of them reacted against because they saw that as a betrayal of what Simon had been doing. And there and, the, and like a naked sales grab, so there was a lot of there's a lot of tension. Yeah, they, 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 it took them a while to figure out exactly how to make that work, and hopefully, I think now the the pers- the fan perspective is turned around and people are happy with where we are. But it took took a couple years. Yeah. Now you have uh, we just actually in the episode that this uh, this interview will appear in, 
we just reviewed um, the Transformers number uh, 19 and 20, which is the road to, to chaos. Yes. Um, and my my one thing is, why did you have to bring Wheelie back? But I <laughs> you do do not like Wheelie. I was okay with I, it. Ryan was not. I have memories of Wheelie from the '80s cartoon or '80s movie yeah. where it's the rhyming Wheelie, which I, I I like the fact that you did the homage to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you actually explained why he was like that, which I I liked. But yeah, Wheelie to me was always like that the Orko character or the Snarf character, <laughs> and ah, uh, Orko. <laughs> You know, did you guys have you read the Wheelie one shot? Yes, yes, I did. Okay, yeah, because they, you know, they that was I think Shane McCarthy wrote that, and he sort of gave the explanation that Wheelie has to wear this translator, right? Because somehow, uh, you know, people that speak the same language can't understand each other if they're not rhyming. I don't get that, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a way to explain it. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I wanted to take it one step further by saying that Wheelie's been on his own so long. And um, he saw and went through something that was so traumatic that it, like, kind of, you know, traumatized him and, and, and sort of screwed him up. Yeah. So now he's kind of like a – almost like an autistic child. Right. I, I, like, I, thought, I like that version a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that would be an interesting take. I, I have a very specific reason for bringing back Wheelie. One is because I actually like Wheelie. I think he's an interesting character. I don't mind Part- him. I don't know why Ryan doesn't like him. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, I can understand if you feel that he's, you know, annoying or something. But but here's here's the thing, Okay. Transformers don't have a whole... Oh, man, I'm going to get crucified for this. But <laughs> Transformers don't have a lot of um, different kinds of characters. I would, okay? I, mean, I would agree, yeah. They're all just sort of the same person after you get outside of the big hitters like Optimus and Megatron and Starscream and Bumblebee. I mean, I mean like, what... Does anyone even know who the hell Inferno is? He's like a protect-a-bot, but right. like, who, who is that guy? Yeah, right. you know, how is he any different than... Uh, than uh, um, who's the other? Uh, no, Inferno's not the 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 protectabot. Inferno's the red one. The red one. Yeah. The, the fire. Truck, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember that. See, I mean, like, wow. Now I'm gonna get. No, no, I I agree with you. In fact, the one thing I really like that you've done with. You mean like Red Alert? Yeah. You, no, no. Red Alert is a is a car. He's right. he's the he's the. Uh, no, I'm thinking of the protectabot who's like the leader of the protectabots. Yeah. He's the blue I'm a, fire. I'm at a loss I, on that because, um, for like you were saying, like the, it, they just kind of, those characters kind of get lost in it. Um, the one thing I've liked that you really have done is, is that you have given characters personalities that, that, so that I can identify them. Like one of the characters I can remember specifically was Swindle. Yeah. Where you gave him the reason why he's called Swindle. I mean, he's, he's the con artist that tricks people into doing what he wants them to do. Yeah, I, and I think that was I think that was sort of there in the character already. I mean, I I think I may have hit the con artist angle harder than. But then there's so many characters that a lot of them don't even get you don't get time to know who they are, even if they were somebody. So and and is you know the other character who's really sort of unique and um, easy to you know to like understand who he is and he's very different is Grimlock. Yeah, yeah. Because Grimlock's like a big brutish caveman, but in the IDW continuity, he's not. He's not so. Right. You know, I feel like, well, now we have one less character. Now he's just another kind of, like, badass, you know. And, like, the hardcore fans will say that, no, he does have a personality. And he's actually Simon's favorite character, from what I understand. So Simon really enjoyed writing him and, gotcha. you know, making him the guy. But but ultimately, he's not that different than a lot of people. So when you have a character like Wheelie, who is inherently totally 
out of left field different. Yeah. I, it was important to me to get a character like that back in the cast because it just makes it more interesting. Well, it's the same yeah. thing with Blur, too. Yes. Yeah. Well, and Blur was sort of softened for the for the IDW because he's just like an arrogant race guy. Yeah. He's not he's not a super fast talking neurotic weirdo the way that he is in the cartoon. Right. Right. Um, and I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's because it, it's interesting that way. But they they I, I think there's a I think there's a a uh, an impulse in toy property, specifically in the Transformers toy property, to sort of make every character cool. Yeah. Um, and make them all badasses. Yeah. And I think it comes from the fact that they're toys and that, you know, you get the tech specs on the toy. And I think that Hasbro learned very quickly that when you have toys like Optimus and Megatron that are awesome and, like, all their power rankings on the back are super high, then who's going to want to buy the toy that has, like, Strength 2? Right. Exactly, yeah. Or, so all of the toys end up being, like, you know, Strength 10 and intelligence seven and like they're all super powerful and they're all super cool because they want to sell those toys so you try and translate them onto the page and then fans remember them that way because like well i loved i loved swoop of course swoop is the coolest dinobot he's awesome you know and then and then you translate that onto the page and all the characters sort of become this morass of the same person because everybody's got this uh connection to them as as their toy and this you know their own imagination created so many stories for them so it's it's hard to break from that. And uh, well, I will tell you, I'm I'm not one of the hardcore Transformers fans, so I will never bash you for trying to experiment with a character. Okay. Or and you probably you might even win me over with Wheelie by the time you're done with them because it sounds like you have plans for them. Um, I, I can tell you for a fact, like a character like Bazooka from the cartoon days and everything else was a character I did not like. I thought he was an, again an annoying character or whatever. But uh-huh. in the IDW run. Uh, Chuck Dixon actually made me like Bazooka right before he killed him, but yeah. <laughs> but I was like, this is a cool Bazooka. This is a Bazooka I can enjoy. So I can, I definitely want to change. I can change my mind on a character very easily. So um, I'm not, I'm not someone that's just. I loved Transformers growing up. I was like you, where I like Transformers more than GI Joe. I liked them both, but I like Transformers more. But I'm uh-huh. like so hardcore a fan of like this character has to be done this way or anything like that. So so I'm looking forward to see what you do with with them and and everything. So, oh thanks. I, I think that yeah, chaos is kind of a big uh, a big story for us. I hope that it uh, now that it's successful. What yeah? What are you are you? Is there anything you're allowed to say to give us any idea of what we're in store for? You know I I mean I. I mean, I, it's not like I an, an, signed an NDA or anything. Right. I could probably say what I wanted. I don't know what I could say though that wouldn't just sort of spoil stuff. I'll say that, you know, it's our big, um, it's our big event. I, we want to say crossover, but you know, it's not a crossover because it's only one comic. Right, but right, that's, right. that's how you you know describe it. It's it's our it's our blackest night. It's our beer itself. It's our big event. So right. a lot of big things happen, and it. it has a huge sort of game changing ending. Um, and we're launching, you know, sort of a brand new Transformers Day out of it, which unlike, say, All Hell Megatron, which led to the, you know, um, uh, led to uh, the ongoing, is sort of like a soft reboot. And I did my best to try and carry over consequences from All Hell Megatron into the ongoing, but when All Hell Megatron was planned, the ongoing was not planned. So, you know, I just had to sort of, you know, vamp it. But right. with this, with chaos, we've been planning beyond it, even as we were planning it. So it, 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 you know, even though things are changing a lot at the end of chaos, 
it's all going somewhere. It's all part of a larger scheme. And I think that that, you know, that people will really respond to that. Well, let me ask um, you this one question here about chaos. Uh, are we going to get any new characters in chaos? Are some old characters we know, are they going to disappear? Um, <clears throat> yes. Uh, no, no, <laughs> nice. No, no new characters. Okay. Um, yeah. You're not going to get any new characters, but some characters are going to disappear. That's a good way of putting it. Okay. And uh, some characters that we haven't seen in a little while are going to come and become important. Okay. Chaos. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, and again, this might be in any time we ask you something, obviously, and you can't say something, just, just tell us you can't say anything. Um, right. Don't feel like you have to find an answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the, yeah, at the very end of chaos, there's an issue that's coming out. It's called transformers. One twenty five. Yeah. What is the deal with one twenty five? Well, I'll tell you what we've announced. I, I, have you seen the creative team? I have not. Okay, the creative team was announced at BotCon. Okay. So the creative team is uh, written by John Barber and James Roberts. Okay. And art by Nick Roche. Okay. Okay. And um, that is, uh, well, after the end of um, Chaos, which is Transformers 30, then we have a Chaos epilogue issue, which is by me and Casey Collar, issue 31. Yeah. And then the next issue is Transformers issue 125. Now... It was all kinds of crazy fan speculation. What does 125 mean? I mean, what it basically means is that if you counted up all of the issues published by IDW that take place within the IDW continuity, the next issue after 31 would actually be issue 125. That was my guess. Okay. Yeah, it just happened to work out that way. So okay. Okay. it was Andy's idea. It was originally going to be called something else. It was originally going to be, um, I don't want to it was called because the title kind of gives it away but i will say the reason that it wasn't called that is because another um kind of big event comic was announced from one of the companies who's larger than idw and they used the exact same title oh okay, okay. all right okay so we, we had to think of something else and it was andy's idea to call it 125 and i think what you know what he was going for with that we had a couple conversations about it is you know andy said often in interviews that he kind of there are like four distinct eras of the IDW book. There was Megatron Origins, then there was Simon stuff, then there was All Hell Megatron, and then there's the ongoing. And he feels like the previous three sort of eras didn't do a lot to include the other eras that came before. Like Simon barely touched upon Megatron Origins. In fact, there's a couple things that Simon did that sort Sort of contradicted. And then All Hell Megatron barely touched upon the stuff that Simon did. It left tons of his plot lines dangling um, in favor of doing, you know, its own sort of big event story. And it also contradicted some things. And what we try to do in the ongoing, even though, you know, there are, are continuity errors that people have <clears throat> made a lot of hay on, what we try to do is incorporate elements of all of those things. We're, we're touching on plot lines that Simon had started Year ago, we're referencing Megatron Origins. Actually, in the next, the very next issue of Transformers, issue 22, uh, harkens back to the Megatron Origins in a big way. Uh, and obviously, we came right out of All Hell Megatron, and a lot of the consequences of that are still being are, are still being felt. So, Andy felt like now would be a good time to sort of announce and and you know sort of for posterity say this has all been one story. You you know if you've stuck around since the very first issue that we published. It all hangs together, even though sometimes it felt like it doesn't. We're doing our best to sort of bring it all together, and, and 125 is a good way of sort of showing that at the end of this huge event that 
ties up a lot of plot lines that have been dangling for years. I mean, we're we're closing up stuff that Simon first referenced, you know, five years ago that okay. hasn't been touched on in a long time. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Now, uh, going moving on to uh, Cobra. Um, I yeah. I know you worked on uh, GI Joe Cobra. Yeah. And you were working with Krista Gage. Now, mm-hmm. that was one thing I've I've never really known or understood. When you're working with an, another writer, how does that work out? Is like one of you doing the plot lines and one of you doing the dialogue, or? Well, here's how that worked. Um, now it's always different. I mean, yeah. Chris has Chris has worked with a couple different writers as a co-writer. He worked with a guy named Dan Slott, who's writing Amazing Spider-Man right now. Yes. Right. And when he and Dan worked together, um, the way that worked is that they literally sat down and wrote the script together. They, <clears throat> you know, or they'd break it up into specific scenes, and they worked everything out together, and they you know, fully collaborated. Now, I'm not saying that he and I working together there wasn't a full collaboration, but, you know, and he's actually been very good about giving me a lot of credit, which is why, to this day, I'm still so associated with the book. Right. And I really, really have a lot of, I mean, I owe him a lot for that, because it would have just been easy to not do that, not even try and take credit, but just not say anything. And then I wouldn't really have the career that I have, because it would have been easy for everybody to give Chris all the credit because he was the known element sure. there and I wasn't. But <clears throat> essentially how it worked is that Andy approached Chris about writing it originally um, because they had worked together at Marvel and uh, Chris had said to him, well, I, I have a lot of work to do. You know, I, I, I've got a, a full plate, so I can't really do it. And I don't really know anything about GI Joe either, but he, but he said, uh, but I'll do it if I can co-write it. And the other co and the the co writer does all the work. <laughs> That's literally what he said. Nice. And so Andy was like, "Okay, uh, if you know somebody." And then Chris emailed me because we had just met that um, the San Diego at San Diego, which was a month at, b- before this had happened. Right. Like Chris, this all happened for me in August, and uh, we had met at the Wildstorm party. And he and he sent me an email saying, "Hey, <clears throat> do you know anything about GI Joe?" <clears throat> and uh, within an hour of getting that email, I was on the phone with Andy Schmidt. Huh. Nice. And I talked to Andy about it, and he told me what the concept was. And the concept was, uh, this is exactly what they had. He said, we want to do a book about a Joe going undercover in Cobra. He can, the Joe can be whoever you want. Um, you can even kill him at the end. Uh, but what we want to do is, at the end, we want the big reveal to be that the Joe thinks that he has figured out Cobra, and he thinks he's going to like destroy them. And the twist is, and, and Andy used this specific analogy. He said <clears throat> he referenced a scene from Alias in the first season, where uh, Jennifer Garner, you know Sydney, is um, yelling at her handler Vaughn and saying like, "I know where you know everyone is. Why don't we just go there and take them out?" And he unrolls this huge spreadsheet that shows that the the the, the thing that she knows, the installation she knows, is like a very very small part of this vast right. organization. Right. He said, that's the moment I want at the end, where our character thinks he knows them, but actually they're huge. Yeah. That's what he gave me. I said, great. And he said, and we're doing it as issue zero that's going to have ten pages from Chuck, ten pages from Larry, and ten pages from uh, from Cobra. And we're going to need that script by Monday. And I was talking to him like Thursday. And I said, <laughs> okay. And I called Chris back, and I said, <clears throat> so here's what he said, and he needs a ten-page script. And then Chris goes, oh, well, you got to do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, Okay. All right, thanks. So, yeah, essentially, I, then I wrote up, you know, I, I was the guy who came up with Chuckles. Um, I came up Real, with... Uh, I get picked, by the way. Yeah, why did you choose Chuckles? 
I chose Chuckles because he was the stupidest character I could think of. Nice. <laughs> and that, that's really the truth. I mean, I wanted to pick a really dumb character specifically so it would be unexpected and I would make that character interesting and cool. And so, well, you know, accomplished. well, looking back, it's interesting because I, looking back, I, I think I was trying to lean towards Big Lob. <laughs> I had forgotten how stupid Big Lob was, though. <laughs> I forgot because then I rewatched the movie and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's the guy with like the fucking, you know, uh, the basketball yeah, stuff. Right, he, right. He's his own sports announcer, and like that's just too ludicrous. But yeah, we just did a I, we just did an episode where we did a whole movie commentary while we watched that movie, and uh, yeah, Big Lob was uh, you, you made the right choice. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, since you guys just watched it, you must have noticed this. But what's great about the movie is that Chuckles doesn't even have a line, no dialogue at all. Yeah, like, yeah, he, he has no dialogue, so he has absolutely zero personality. Like it. You don't even understand who he's supposed to be. He just He's just that Hawaiian shirt. All you remember is that he threw a missile at a tank. That's yeah. Right, at his tank. That's what he did right. in training. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but then when I was researching, so I had the Chuckles in my head because it's a dumb name. And then I was researching Chuckles. I mean, completely by happy coincidence, his function actually is undercover. Yeah. So that was, you know, I'm like, well, this is meant to be. Brilliant. Um, and then my original concept was that he was going to, like, infiltrate Cobra and join one of their training camps and that, like, his uh, his cruel sort of drill instructor was going to be Major Blood. And then he was going to think that he was getting next to Cobra Commander. But at, at the end, the twist is that it's not Cobra Commander. It's actually Zartan. Oh. That was my original pitch. And Andy said, you can't use Blood. Because at the time, IDW had a, had a uh, uh, basically a no list, like an embargo list of characters you can't use. Gotcha. I don't know why anyone would have a list of characters you can't use. Yeah. Why not just use everyone? But that they did. Yeah. Now they don't have that list anymore because I think that at this point they trust Chuck and I. We can use whoever we want. Right. But at the time, Chuckles was actually on the embargo list, but they liked my idea. But they wouldn't let me use Blood because they felt that Blood had Nazi associations. Weird. And they wanted to stay clear of that, which I understand. Sure. And uh, and they didn't want to use Zartan or no Chuck Chuck uh, no Andy didn't want me to use Zartan because Chuck even back then had plans for Zartan. Okay. So um, he su- he suggested it be Tomax and Zaymont. That was Andy's idea. Um. So I changed it and made it that. But that was all me. I did all that work. I showed it to. So basically, what happened is I would do all the, I would do all the writing. I wrote out the whole outline and everything, and I'd show it to Chris, and Chris would come back with some notes, and then I would write the entire script myself. And then I'd give it to Chris, and then Chris would do a pass on it. So basically, Chris was just like a very active editor. Editor, editor right, yeah. yeah. Um, to, in Cobra 2, when we introduced Crocmaster, I will give Chris this credit. Crocmaster was Chris's idea, because about halfway through working on the first Joe series, the first Cobra series, Chris um, was actually given a uh, like a character recognition guide by a fan at a convention. And so he went through that and started looking at all these characters, and he fell in love with Crocmaster. He's like, "We got to do Crocmaster. Yeah. We got to get Crocmaster in it somehow." So, you know, I once again I did all the outlining and I figured out what the story was going to be, and I said, "Here's who Crocmaster is going to be," and I wrote the script. And then in the script, I left the two pages that Crocmaster appears on blank, and I just said, "You know, so all of the Crocmaster stuff, except for in the newest issue of Cobra." All of that was written by Chris alone. Okay, <laughs> Crocmaster was Chris's character, and then of course. Every time an issue comes out with a Crocmaster in it, all the reviews focus on is how awesome Crocmaster is. <laughs> well, 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 here's here's the credit that, that I definitely want to give to you, uh, especially knowing how involved you were with Cobra, and I, and maybe this was done intentionally, just like you did with Chuckles. 
you took so many characters that I thought were the 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 leftover characters, the ones that came in the later series that no one cared about or just didn't really have anything out there, and you made them such cool and interesting characters. Characters like Crystal Ball and yeah. and what you did to Jinx just blew my mind. Like I remember reading the fact that Chuckles had to shoot Jinx and be like I was like, holy crap, he did not just do that. Because yeah. you're dealing with... Because the thing I love with G.I. Joe Doesn't is that blows cover, compared yeah. to other comics, I mean, I read Marvel, I read a lot of Marvel and DC also, but in those comics, you could shoot a character in the head and they're going to come back. Right. <clears throat> this, I was like, holy crap, he just shot Jinx. She's dead. She's not coming back. <laughs> yeah. That was that was my first big idea for the whole series, actually. I was I was pacing around after my first conversation with Andy and thinking how do we make this undercover story interesting? And the first idea I had was his, um, his handler gets caught and he has to kill her. I mean, he's in love with her and he has yeah. to kill her to make cover. It was amazing. And I never thought they would say yes to that. Yeah. I thought they'd say no, but I, I said, listen, you know, in order for GI Joe to be interesting, Cobra has got to be serious. And I, actually, I said this in my first conversation with Andy and I said, they really have to be bad and they have to do horrible things. And we have to see them do that so that they're a legitimate threat. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I love it, yeah. So when I turned in that idea that he executes Jinx in issue three, I thought, no way is Hasbro going to go for this. Yeah. But they, they said yes to everything. That was amazing. I mean, yeah, because like I said, there's there's characters like Skullbuster, and like I said, then you have Crystal Ball, who also I'm like reading this, and I'm like, wow, these characters are actually cool. I don't remember <laughs> them being cool, but they're cool now. <laughs> yeah, I always liked Crystal Ball. And I think part of the thing that attracted me to Crystal Ball is his weird history that you know, his his file card was written by uh, by Stephen King, I think. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's I always thought that was really kind of cool, and I and I like the idea of like weird Eastern European, you know, Roma people, and like there's something creepy, like a Rasputin vibe. So yeah. he was a character that I still haven't done enough with him. I I still have to figure out something more interesting to do. But people really responded to that take, so I'm I'm glad about now, that. Now, if you do something really cool with what is it, Raptor? Raptor, yeah. Oh man, people have been talking to me about Raptor for years. I'll be amazed if you can do something cool with him. Because <laughs> I'll I don't tell know you how that, you can do it. Don't even worry about that character. You gotta bring scrap iron into it. <laughs> well, my big character that I was excited about was Big Boa. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Him too. Because I was drawn to Big Boa for similar reasons I was drawn to Crystal Ball, which is like the meta story of how Big Boa came to be. Um and what a stupid, useless character Big Boa is, because he was clearly and I haven't ever had confirmation from anyone about this but it seems to me very clear that he's supposed to be the villain the villainous sort of opposite number of um rocky 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 yeah yeah because his name is big boa right as in balboa right so and then and then rocky is never actually on gi joe so then you have this character that that has no use and is totally dumb yeah Yeah. so basically what uh, what had happened with that just to give you a little backstory on it Rocky Balboa was supposed to be the drill instructor for G.I. Joe okay. uh, back in the uh, mid-'80s. Uh, Sylvester yep. Stallone said no, he wouldn't let them use his likeness, and it ended up being Sergeant Slaughter. Really? Yes. Yeah. That's interesting, because I, I had heard a slightly different story that um, that, that the, the paperwork was in, and, and so Stallone was okay with it, but then uh, Carlco, or whatever that other co- toy company that doesn't exist anymore, got the license for Rambo? And then they blocked Hasbro, uh, saying, "No, we have exclusive rights to Stallone's likeness." Yeah, 
Yeah, it could, but it be. could be a combination of the two. Yeah, I, or, it could or, be a very well combination of both because of the way I heard it go down, because in one issue of the old G.I. Joe in a yearbook, they actually produced a file card for... Yes, I've seen uh, that, yes. Sylvester Stallone for Rocky Balboa as the drill instructor. Yes. But, and then, you know, in the, in the next issue, they printed a retraction. A retraction, yeah. Yeah, and it said that Rocky Balboa has never been a member of G.I. Exactly. Joe, as yes. if, like, that... I mean, what? Happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What you got to do is uh, bring in the refrigerator Perry. Dude, look, my plans for Cobra 2 originally, back when I was writing Cobra 1, and I was thinking, because we didn't have, uh, all Cobra was supposed to be was four issues. That was it. Right, right. right. And then about halfway through, Andy was like, could you do a, like a one shot about Tomax and Zamot? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And that was, you know, that was never even planned from the beginning. Yeah. So. Um, that was really cool, too. I, I like the dichotomy of the two characters and seeing both sides. Thank you. That was very difficult to pull off. I, I'm sure. Really, it was really good. It, it came, across, came off really well. Yeah, it came across. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so I originally was coming up with ideas for sequels while I was still working on the first couple issues. And one of my ideas was uh, have, you know, I knew Chuckles was going to sort of go AWOL at the end of the, of the series. And so I had a couple ideas. And, and actually, most of those ideas have now played out. Like one of the ideas was you follow Erica and she into a transition from she's leaving Cobra to become G.I. Joe because I, from the beginning when I introduced her, I knew that she was going to be chameleon. I knew she was, you know, the Baroness's half sister. I had already worked all that out. So it was a logical place to go for a sequel was to follow her. Mm -hmm. Or my other big idea was have somebody go track chuckles down. And the person that tracks him down was going to be the person that trained him. And the person that trained him was Sergeant Slaughter. And, I didn't know how Hasbro or if it was impossible for them to like do Sergeant Slaughter, but if there was even a chance, I I, I was gonna yeah. I was gonna beg them to do it. Nice, but it didn't work out. <laughs> now I, I know you don't have a lot lot of time left, but uh, one thing I certainly wanted to touch on is uh, now you're gonna be doing Blackhawks. Yes, and I was very excited to see that, especially once I saw who was working on it, because I've I have loved your work on the Cobra book. And and obviously I've loved your work on Transformers also, but obviously the Cobra book seemed to have a little bit more tie to Blackhawks. Um, yeah. Now the way it seems from the description and the way the cover looked, in my mind I'm getting an image of like GI Joe in the DC universe. Am I totally off on that or? No, that's that's how they're selling it. In fact, and that's why they hired me. I was um good for you. Yeah, I was I was approached because of my GI Joe connection and uh, and at several uh, you know, D- DC likes to do these retailer summits where they go to different cities and they meet with uh, the big retailers in the area and, and sort of talk to them. It's one of DC's kind of hands-on sort of thing, and they, they're especially doing it now with the whole um, digital initiative, which a lot of retailers are are worried about. And I know that Didi, that Dan DiDio is at several of these things had been like. You know, well, we have the writer of G.I. Joe, and he's doing the G.I. Joe in the DC Universe. Nice. Um, but I can tell you guys that I'm not just going to be doing G.I. Joe in the DC Universe, because that, to me, seems... Sure. No, one, boring, and two, sort of unnecessary. The high-level so. concept of it seemed like like that was the route it was... Right. It's it's an easy way to sort of describe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's a, it's a totally different animal. Yeah, and, and I assumed it, it would be, um, especially, like I said, knowing... You're writing from Transformers to GI Joe, obviously very diff- or Cobra. Uh, it's very different, but it works for those characters, and I expect the Blackhawks is going to be the same. And I'm not just I'm not just kissing your butt when I say this uh, because you agreed to be on the show. Yes, he is. But <laughs> but <laughs> when I saw the t- the list of titles and who the creators were, Chuckle attests to this. Blackhawks was the one. 
that I was most excited about seeing that was something unique. Um, uh-huh. Because, you know, you, you had all, I have characters I love, like Nightwing and all that type of stuff, that I was happy to see him getting his book back and all that type of stuff. But the one that surprised mm-hmm. me that I was like, okay, this is a book I'm definitely picking up was Blackhawks because I saw that you were on it and I loved your work on the books I've read so far. So I was like, okay, this should be exciting. Yeah, that's true. Um, now, well, one he, he did push over you like a yeah. schoolgirl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, one question I do have for you, in, in a, and again, I don't know if you can answer this at all or not, but one of mm-hmm. our um, one of one of the things when it comes to the Blackhawks book on the cover, um, which looks like the opening scene of a GI of the GI Joe cartoon. Um, the main, the front yeah. character, I don't know if he's the main character or not, but the front character looked a lot like a character from DC called, named King Faraday. Is that? Yes, I know, I know who King Faraday okay. is. Okay, is that that character? That is not King Faraday. Okay. So. But I know, I know who you're talking okay. about. That's not him. Now, is there characters going, again, you could just say yes or no, but is there characters going to be in the Blackhawks book that we are familiar with from the DC universe, or is it pretty much mostly fresh new characters? The team is made up of mostly fresh new characters, but Lady Blackhawk is on the team. Okay, okay. Great, um, great character. Yeah, but uh, but she might not be the Lady Blackhawk that you remember. That I remember, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But but other than her, everyone on the team is, is, is brand new. Um, the, the most I'm gonna slowly be making connections to the DC universe, but for the first few issues, it's gonna be a whole new thing. Establishing the team and everything. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um. Now I know you. I know you can't answer this, but I just maybe you can. Maybe you can. You <laughs> okay. can at least confirm to us that that it is definitively known. Um. It. I assume it is known who the the new Cobra Commander is going to be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, we we knew before okay. I killed him. Is it is it one of the nine characters that were on the the comic covers? covers? I'll I'll say yes. Okay. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that it is okay. someone who's and on the cover. Who comic is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're hoping that you know that it's not all that obvious and that you get you know that that we that, lead that, you that, down that some. On it? <laughs> yeah, no, you can tell me your theory. Sure. I, I think it's going to end up being Serpentor. Okay. Um, he's quiet behind the scenes, kind of manipulating everything in the background. Which you're doing uh, very well writing yeah, that, by the that's, way. Yeah, that's very good. Better than the whole genetic experiment's gone wrong. Uh, I like the yeah. shaman approach to that. I like that. I, I just think it's going to end up being him. He's going to talk people into making him the commander. Okay. okay. I have no theories. I'm just along for the ride. So. Um, and then I thought maybe it could be Craig because he's just going to kill everybody. <laughs> okay. And they're going to do a body count and see he won. <laughs> Um, so to close, to close that wrap up, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that wraps up before the end of the year. So you Okay, cool. Now, now just to close, just to close things off, what we usually do with the people we interview, we do, uh, what we call the firing range section, which is just some quick questions. You can just give the uh, quick answer or you can elaborate if you wish to. Uh, okay. But these are classic debates or debates that we've had on the show. All right. I'll probably want to elaborate, but let's go. Okay. <laughs> so first it's cake or pie, and we're talking the dessert. So. Yeah. yeah uh, I'm going to say pie. You are correct, sir. <laughs> Just because there's so many more options. I mean, I do love cake, but pie can be like – it can be like a meat pie. You know, right. like pie is so versatile. savor your sweet. Yes. Okay. Right, exactly. That's okay. the correct answer. And and I dated a girl who um, made 
made me a strawberry rhubarb pie. That is one of the greatest things that I have. I have never eaten such a thing before. It blew my mind, and I've never had a cake do that for me. Nice. Uh, when it comes to muffins, uh, blueberry or chocolate chip? Blueberry all the way. Thank okay. you. Yes. Chocolate, chocolate chip is just too rich, man. I mean, okay. I, I agree with you. Know, you're, you're all you're already skirting very close to cupcake territory. Thank you. With your, <laughs> thank you. You know, non-brand muffin, and when you make a chocolate chip, who are you even fooling anymore? Now you it's know? cake. Yeah. Right, exactly. I, I think that's cupcake. why I like the chocolate chip. But, um, <laughs> Just get a cupcake and stop pretending. Now, yeah. now these are these are probably more in line with stuff you're way more familiar with. Uh, Duke or Flint? I I love Flint. Yes, I, I think Duke. I think Duke has his uses because, and obviously, I've written Duke way more than I've written Flint. Sure. Um, but like in terms of a character that I would like to hang out with, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be Flint. <laughs> Okay. okay. I think Duke is such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lady J or Scarlet? Oh, I'm Scarlet all the way. Thank okay. you. Yes. <laughs> uh, Autobot or Decepticon? Oh, Decepticon. Yes. Okay. I'm loving this guy. <laughs> this one, I think I already know the answer considering the book you write, but Joe or Cobra? Cobra. Yes. Okay. Way cooler. Yes. Uh, so far, you've only missed one. <laughs> Which one did I miss? You're Duke or Flynn? I like Duke. <laughs> Yeah, you're, Come on, you're siding with Duke. You're, the stick in the mud. Yeah. yeah, you're siding with Chuck on a lot of these. <laughs> um, Jedi or Sith? Uh, Jedi. Okay. Um, and actually, because they made Sith such pussies in the prequels, yep. you know, they they did. Such, they did. Such baby. Yeah. I like the dark side. <laughs> related related to Star Wars. Uh, well, the big debate: Star Wars or Star Trek? I'm I'm Star Wars all the way. Uh, I never we can really keep going with the Star podcast. Then. <laughs> Yeah, we're not big fans of Star Trek at all. Not so. at all. Um, and speak, uh, still tied into Star Wars, uh, Chewbacca, is he a sidekick or is he not a sidekick? How could Chewbacca not be a sidekick? Thank He's you. Clearly a sidekick. He's the co-pilot. What does Thank that even you. mean? He is the <laughs> ultimate sidekick. Wait, who, who's saying he's not a sidekick? Ryan is. I, I say he's not a sidekick. I say he's his partner. Well... But that's this. You can be both, though. I don't understand. I mean, you could be a sidekick. He's, he's and a not a lead character. I, I, I he's view, a sidekick. I view Han and Chewie as equals no, with each not. other. That's ridiculous, man. <laughs> Look, thank you. Maybe they're equals within My like the Millennium Falcon. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, maybe their business arrangement is that they're equals, but in terms of the movie, Han is the much more important character. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's why. That's why Chewbacca doesn't marry Princess Leia at the end. I, come on. <laughs> he should have though. <laughs> That would have been funny. <laughs> All right. Well, here's one debate that I know Chuck will always lose, and if if you side Maybe, with I don't know if you side with him, I I, I might have to tra- travel out to visit you or something. He might jump out a window. <laughs> um, R2D2 or C3PO? That's a really tough one. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna say C3PO. Yes. Wow. You are my favorite person in the world. <laughs> and and I'll tell you why because R2 they just try too hard to make him cute. Thank you. Especially in the prequels, where then it becomes just ludicrous. You know, then then suddenly R two can fly, yeah. and he can like defeat battle droids. Yeah. But, whereas C three PO, like he's R two is a total dick to C three PO. By the yeah, way, yeah, that's what I like about him. And well, it's totally uncool. It's, yeah. it's and C three PO is a prissy little bitch. So was... no, C three PO only ever says who he is and is who he is. Right? I mean, he's like, look, I'm a protocol droid. This is what I do. They're constantly dragging him into adventures and stuff, and then everybody gets mad at him <laughs> that he's just a protocol droid. Like, that's not fair. He's just He was built to do this. And my favorite line in 
probably all the movies comes from C-3PO, where uh, in Empire, after Chewie finds him and puts him sort of back together and uh, and re- you know, reconnects him, and uh, he sort of goes through the last ten seconds of uh, what happened to him, and he says, oh, no, I've been shot. That's great. Yeah. That's great. That's a good, I love that. It's a good look. Well, I will give you this. I, I can't imagine the movies without both of them. Um, well, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, you need, that's a given. Yeah, you, you need both, but I would, I would, is far yeah, superior. I would say my, my favorite line in all of Star Wars is the, I don't know why, but it cracks me up every time I hear it. Beep, 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 boop, boop. No, is the, it's, <laughs> it, no, it's, Han, it's Han Solo saying, uh, responding to uh, them breaking Princess Leia out, and he's like, what's going on up there? And he's like, uh, we're fine, we're all fine here now, how are you? Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> um, and then last but not least in the firing range, since IDW is just starting their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle run, uh, we're yeah. going to start covering that on our show also because we cover all the 80s properties. Um, who's your favorite turtle? Donatello. Wow. Really? The weakest one? <laughs> uh, you mean, no. <laughs> no. The weakest. No, the strongest because he has the strongest brain. Nice. Well, I mean, it depends on what, what we're Going on, we going on the cartoon. Are we going on like the original Eastman and Laird. Uh, however you want to interpret yeah. it, yeah. Well, I'm going to go by the cartoon because I, I read those original Eastman and Laird books in the in. Remember the giant uh, colored volumes yes. that they yeah. made, that yeah. they put yes. out. And I got to tell you, dude. I mean, maybe it gets better eventually, but <laughs> they're rough. They don't have characters. I mean, you can't tell one apart. No, you first really of all. can't. Yeah, no. not unless by the weapon. Yeah, just by, I mean, they don't even have different color masks, which they're all red, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so it's they don't have different characters, but then you know the cartoon comes around and they all have at least rudimentary characteristics. And Donatello was always the most interesting to me because he's you know he's the professor of their little Gilligan gang and he's building shit. It's cool. Yeah, I always Very was nice. partial to Raphael. And I'll- yeah, Raphael is just like a wise ass. And then in the movie they make him like a sullen bitch, <laughs> and, he, and he like. Runs away. I don't know. I yeah, never. I always like the the wisecracker yeah. in the cartoon. I've always liked Leonardo just because I I've always liked the leader character, so I've always gravitated towards them. So you're a follower. I get it. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Much like sheep. No, yes. No, no, no. no. I'm the leader. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> Gravitate towards the leader because you're a leader. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Chuck's the sidekick. Trust no, me on that one. No, no. <laughs> Not at all. Um. All right. Well. well uh, Mike, we really, really appreciate you coming on. Sorry for the technical difficulties at the beginning. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you're, you're welcome back anytime you want to be on. Yeah, mate. This is actually this was a lot of fun, and I would definitely like to do this again. Yeah, I was just yeah, I was, anytime. I was just thinking maybe once uh, once the new year starts and the Cobra Civil War is over, the the chaos is over, where we can actually talk about the results of those events. Uh, yeah, we we can do a big post mortem. That would be fun. Nice. Be, that would be great. We'd love to have you back on again. Are you guys doing comic uh, Comic Con this year? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, we wish we were. Yeah. Like IDW is not paying us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not paying me either. Yeah. Don't. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually planning this uh, this fall a big trip with my wife. It's our ten year wedding anniversary, and we're going overseas. So. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's yeah, not is, in the is, is Comic Con got sent over the pond. <laughs> where Where are you guys located, by the way? Uh, where are we're you? in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, hey, I grew up in Detroit, so you guys know Cedar Point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love when I run into people out. I live in, on the West Coast now for the past eight years, but I love running into people out here that know Cedar Point because then we just shake our heads in, like, disgust <laughs> at all these people who go to Six Flags. and like, you'll never know what you'll you're never, missing. No, it's it's the best. <laughs> Cedar Point is by far, and I've been to a lot of amusement parks, but Cedar Point's amazing, so... 
and it, it's and it's academic because it's consistently rated the best the best one yeah part in the world every year yep absolutely I'm very proud to have uh, I mean we would take class trips it was like a four hour bus ride but like end of the year every year class trip to Cedar Point what awesome. is it like an hour from us maybe yeah about forty five minutes to an hour yeah. from us yeah yeah we're pretty close yeah we went for our senior year of uh, high school we went for our eighth grade yeah. year of my my favorite school. ride there is still the Raptor. Yeah, I love the Raptor. I really like, this is so pathetic, but I really like the Iron Dragon. <laughs> you know what? Actually, That's pretty fun. It's a fun ride to ride, but it's it, kind of weird. It is because I pretend I'm flying in the Fantastic Car. Yeah. Nice. I will tell you that's actually my wife's favorite roller coaster. Um, well, there you go. Me and your wife. Yeah, both there you go. Women. No, no, no. Buzzing. No. <laughs> no, she rides all the roller coasters, but she, she just really has a fondness for that one. I think she has, like, some old memories of when she first rode it and everything. I will tell you, I like, I do love riding the Iron Dragon at nighttime when they have all the fog going and everything yeah, with it. that's fun. Yeah. I also really like the Gemini. That's my other favorite. Yeah, that's a yeah, fun the, one. Yeah, the big wooden Gemini. That's well, cool. Well, I remember my first roller coaster ever was, uh, well, my first roller coaster ever was Space Mountain at Disney World, but the first one at Cedar Point was the Blue Streak. I think that was a the lot Blue of people. The Blue Streak, yeah. I think that was a lot of people's first one, so. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Well, thing about Western uh, amusement you guys yeah <laughs> well yeah, again we're, we're, we want to got anything else you want to plug besides yeah. your new book coming out or any events you're going to be at or any comic cons you're going to be at well i um i'm doing uh, a shitload of things at uh san diego i have like five panels and uh i have a couple signings with idw and then hopefully a big announcement that i can't prematurely make on your podcast that's fine that's fine we, we respect if, that but if anybody wants to um you know who's listening to this wants to go and uh become a fan of my facebook fan page which i just put up like a month ago um <clears throat> please do i have like 150 fans so we're a growing community yeah all right uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fan you yeah we'll, we'll yeah and then i put up all my info there like where i'm going to be and uh the signing times and nice. which panels and stuff well I'm, I'm sure that uh this episode will at least send a few more your way so uh, That'd be cool. And follow me on Twitter. It's also I'm an early adapter. I signed up to Twitter right after Warren Ellis did, so I got Mike Costa. So that's nice. Easy. Nice. Very nice. All right. Well, like I said, it was, it was a pleasure talking with you. Uh, yeah, this is kind of how our interviews go. We like to just kind of we Keep have loose. we have questions, but we just like to the, let the conversation go. So no, it was fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah, right, no we, problem. We Thank you for coming it, on. And uh, good luck at San Diego. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you guys later. Take care. Take care. All right, so that was our interview with Mike Costa. It was awesome to have him on the line. Again, thanks, uh, Mike, for agreeing to come on the show. Looking forward to hopefully having you on again in the future. Man, this uh, episode's getting really long, so why don't we go ahead and wrap things up here and uh, call it a day. Okay. You can find us at starjoes.com. We're all over the Internet. You can find us on thecomicforums.com. Please join us there, and you can talk with us pretty much every day. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can iTunes. iTunes. Please leave us a review. You Please. Can, but yeah, so uh, let us know. phone number for the voice. Yes, uh, 440-941-JOES, J-O-E-S. And uh, yeah, give us a call. Especially call us if you're drunk. We'd enjoy that. Yeah, it'd we'll be have fun. A, we'll have a lot of fun with that. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close by saying the force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, guys. Later. Sure, Orko. I can never remember anything. How actors learn their speeches? By rehearsing. We practice saying them again and again. 
Well, that's what you have to do if you're trying to remember something from school. Say it to yourself over and over again. Rehearse it in your mind just like an actor. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. What are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to remember to say goodbye. Bye! It worked! <laughs>